can help you to find the right way. The way you should follow today. This way will take you to the best genres of music from around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. of Guns and Radio Podcast. And now, give it up for your host, Chris Caputo and Dustin Bones. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an epic episode for you this week. Dustin, tell them all about it. That's right, Chris. We got a lot of surprises coming for you tonight. A lot of great things in store in this episode. But first, we want to say thank you to Top Gun for that epic performance. And thanks to Jax for that amazing introduction. Just give me my fucking money, man. I gotta go. Uh, Chris, uh, you pay the man. You want you tell you what? Well, you guys figure that out. We'll take we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back right after this. What kind of name is Bones anyway, Bertram? I mean, you guys are fucking lame. 
Hey guys, do you want to get access to thousands of free bestsellers that you can listen to at any time from a huge and ever-growing catalog? Well, what am I saying? Of course you do. Audible now includes podcasts, originals, and much, much more. They have a premium selection of bestsellers, and you can listen to thousands of titles from their ever-growing Audible Plus catalog. Whether you want to wind down, get motivated, or learn something new, you can listen across all of your devices with the audio app and never lose your place. So click the link in the description to get a 30-day free trial of Audible. Amazon Prime members will get two credits. Good for any premium selection of any title that you would like, yours to keep even if you decide to cancel. They'll even send you a friendly email reminder before your trial ends. Also, the Audible Plus catalog of podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals are yours to listen to all you want with no credits needed. So what have you got to lose? Click the link in the description now to get started with your free trial from audible.com. Welcome back. If you thought that intro was hot, shit's about to get even hotter up in here. And I'll tell you why. Because we got to sit down with the members of Paradise Kitty oh, and yeah. have a uh, discussion with them earlier this week. And in just a moment, we're going to hit play on that. But before we do, for the last time of season one, let's blow that whistle and ride that shout out train one more time. Whoop, whoop. It's a finale edition here. So, uh, this one could be probably the longest shoutouts we've had for a while. Um, so to everyone in, the last, uh, in our first year of existence here on this podcast, a lot of people to shout out to all of our past guests. Axel Ross from Guns Ain't Roses, Randall from the AFD Show, Jeff from GNR Central, Justin Height, Chris Lell from Pot of Thunder, your friend there, Rick Dunsford, Jonesy from Weird AF News, Matt Manzella, Steve, and the guys there from Bucket of Trouble, Franz and Roses, all our guests. Thank you for coming on to the show, and uh, thank you guys for listening to those as well. All of our listeners, everyone on Discord, shout out to you guys, everyone who follows us on Twitter, Instagram, and our new Facebook. Like that shit if you haven't yet. Um, a few more shout outs. I gotta give a shout out to the Izzy Stradlin Concert Petition people there. They've been very supportive of us for the last few months or so. Shout out to them. They've been uh, reposting a lot of our stuff, giving us feedback, giving us some shout outs. Um, I have to give a yeah. shout out to the Izzy Stratton Appreciation Group on Facebook there. They're really digging our stuff and they're always very helpful with everything with our uh, last week's um, uh, cover artwork there. They helped us with that too. Yeah, and um, they really share the shit out of our stuff too and they've really supported us as well ever since uh, we became aware of them and they sort of came into our group here, our fold, if you will. Yeah. Um, two more quick little shout outs here though. Um, to probably one of our biggest fans, actually, on Instagram. And I've showed this man out, like, numerous times before. But he's always given us so much love, so much appreciation, everything. I have to give a shout-out to at AxelRose2000 on Instagram. This guy is one of my favorite personal sort of GNR fan accounts. And he's always tagging us and stuff, always reposting some of our um, episodes and stuff. Um, gotta go shout-out to him. He's been very supportive over the last year. And last but not least, I... We forgot about Third Man Dan. <laughs> oh, man. Never can forget about Third Man Dan. It's amazing how five episodes in, we literally found a our on-and-off third guy in this uh, place. And it's amazing, you know, to have him on here and there. I know it's been a while, but 
We're definitely going to have a lot more of him hopefully in season two. So I know he's busy with his own podcast and stuff. So we try and you know work around all our schedules and get him on here. So definitely oh, yeah. going to hear a lot more of him in season two and probably hopefully the years to come. No doubt. Well, with that, we're going to have to keep moving right along because we just got so much stuff to get to tonight. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to hit play on our first interview. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Guns and Radio podcast all the way from Los Angeles, the world's leading, if not only, all-girl Guns and Roses cover band. You guys know who these girls are. Please welcome from Paradise Kitty, Jenna Side and Rachel Ryan. All right, we're on, guys, with Paradise Kitty. Uh, we've got the singer Jenna, and Hello. we've got... Uh, well, I shouldn't name introduce you by your full name, Jenna Side, <laughs> and oh, well, Rachel Ryan. That's my stage name, yeah. Hi. <laughs> you mean to tell me Genocide is not your real name? That's well, that's my name, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I know her parents, and she could have very well have been named that. <laughs> <laughs> This ain't rock and roll. This is genocide. Hey, yeah. hey, that's a catch line. That's a good uh, catchphrase there. That's a good one. Oh, that's a, that's uh, a David that's Bowie a line. David Bowie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good call. I didn't think of that. Uh, so, guys, we were we uh, we chatted for a minute about uh, the uh, all the everything is canceled right now because of the covid situation going on what are you guys doing while you're in quarantine and everything well i've been doing live streams from my home uh once a week every sunday at about seven o'clock on my social medias uh, but it's recently switched to bi-weekly just because i've been working on other projects well that's i mean at least you've got something going on there to kill the boredom all <laughs> yeah, right yeah, it, it was funny. We just had a meeting with our booking agent a couple nights ago, and uh, you know, we were talking to him about like when might we all get out there again. And and he just basically explained to us that like every time they try booking stuff, they end up having it's like booking more things right now is just creating twice as much work because they're having to rebook everything that they had already booked for the fall. And uh-huh. so you know, we're, we're patiently not harassing him and just waiting <laughs> to get the green light to start like really moving forward with things like. Hopefully in the next couple months. That yeah. does make a does make a whole lot of sense because being on the business side of that has got to be a nightmare right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I guess I mean I would assume for agents it's creating like quadruple the work for them because every show they've booked has to be rebooked or canceled or moved or you know terms are changing. So it's like really you know their commissions aren't changing. It's just the amount of work for each commission is has turned into a nightmare. I would I would assume. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's <laughs> I can yeah. Um but guys if you want to see what they're gonna be doing next and you wanna stay up to date with Paradise Kitty and see when they're coming to your area when all this blows over to for the best updates, you can go to their website. It's paradisekittyband.com. dot com. Yeah, that's it. And you can and, check us out also on all of our social medias on Facebook, uh Instagram, Twitter. We post there pretty much every other day. So we'll keep you guys up to date. Right, and you can find links to all of that in the description of this podcast to make it real good and easy for you to find. Uh, I was watching the news today, and I was seeing uh, that, uh, I mean, you guys have a lot of wildfires out there. Is any of that affecting uh, you guys or anybody you know right now yet? Uh, well, the air quality out here has been pretty nasty the last couple of months, but California seems to have a fire season every year that we're pretty used to by now. Um 
there in my hometown in Santa Clarita, we get hit really hard every year. And they just had the uh, the Castaic fires up there that lasted about a week. That was pretty heavy. Ooh. I don't have anybody personally that has lost their homes, or at least not for a long time. But it's kind of crazy out here in the summertime. It gets pretty hot and pretty dry. Especially this week, we're in the middle of a, a weird heat wave. So it's like oh, 118 yeah. degrees in the valley right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> where, that's where I live. I'm, I'm in the basin right there, and it's crazy hot. Well, we hope you guys are uh, safe and everything from that. I always heard that L.A., you could tell the seasons because it's either hot or shit's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Or earthquakes. Don't forget earthquake season. But but those aren't really seasonal. I mean, would you consider that a season, Jenna? Um, I, well... Growing up out here, I tend to notice it comes in waves every, every between uh, May and August. It's all summertime. Summertime is kind of crazy here, especially if you're living on the San Andreas Fault, which runs right through Hollywood. So, Have you guys crazy. ever been playing a gig or something and have like an earthquake hit or something while you were on stage? Uh, no, not that no, I can tell. Besides... <laughs> Yeah, besides Rachel's drum, <laughs> besides her kick drum. <laughs> I, I have been on stage, though, before, and um, and it was back when I was playing with Femme Fatale, and I got on stage, and I was like, oh, my God, did I really drink that much last night? Because everything just started moving, <laughs> and I was like, this is bad. What is going on? And I looked up, and the whole crowd was, like, swaying side to side as well, and it was because we were on uh, we were on the Monsters of Rock cruise and the boat was like lifting anchor or something. Oh. So the whole ship. So I literally had this like wave of green float over me and I was like, oh, this is bad. This is real bad. And I looked up and everyone was swaying too. And I was like, oh, it's just the boat moving. Okay, we got this. We got this. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, well, how, how did you guys uh, get together as a band? Like, how did you find everybody and organize your your uh your crew uh, jenna i'll let well, you take take this one yeah well, you know it was a dark and stormy night <laughs> and five kittens heard paul of a less paul across the streets of hollywood uh, i'm joking um <laughs> no <laughs> I, i'm joking it was just a, it was just a trash truck <laughs> yeah <laughs> What what got us all together is a uh, well a friend of a friend of Rachel's. Um, they were starting a band together, and she was also a mutual friend of one of my friends. And I got the call that they needed that Rachel needed a singer for uh, all female Guns and Roses tribute. And so I said, Hell yeah, I'll come in and try out. And went to rehearsal, rolled in, and Rachel and I became kismet because she's the backbone of everything that we do and we took off from there we've had a couple different lineup changes uh throughout the years but you know it's just because girls have other projects playing you know and uh if if you think about it though jenna like we had lineup changes i mean so when when we decided to see if if this boat would float we learned all of appetite we only had four rehearsals and two of those rehearsals were auditioning different members and um, and then between those auditions and the show, we switched out one of the members, like the rhythm yeah. guitarist, I think. So we really only had like one rehearsal full band and all of Appetite front to back. And it, we just we went and played a show out in the desert because we just we just kind of wanted to see how it felt to see if it would fly. Because yeah. if we did this, it was important to us for it to really sound right and to feel right because we didn't want to get out there and like 
do some kitsch version of a band that we all love. So yeah. we, we really wanted it to have, have integrity. So we kind of just threw it together and played this show in the middle of nowhere to kind of test the waters for ourselves. And it went really well, but we, we continued to like swap members from there on out, just, you know, like availability and some people can only play on a Tuesday, but that doesn't work when you're getting fly out dates for weekends or doing full tours. So yeah. there's yeah. really more of like availability issues that, that have caused Jenna and I to be the staples and for us to just hire a bunch of other girls, depending on who's available. But, you know, we only, we only take girls that make it feel right. That's, that's our one rule is it's got to feel good and nothing yeah. campy or cheesy, yeah. you know? Have you guys always just like kind of gelled? Was it just like a lucky break? Like kind of like with the real GNR when they got together, how everybody just kind of gelled together pretty easily? Well, Rachel and I definitely, because both of us come from other bands that have been playing the circuit for a long time and were band leaders ourselves, people who were motivators and the ones that kicked ass and moved their bands forward. So it was nice to have, um, a counterpart to somebody else who had that same ambition and drive and so she and I clicked right off the bat you know and from then on out it was it was me and her gung-ho we'll make this happen we'll get this going because it's something awesome well when you guys started touring is there anything that kind of happened that you weren't really expecting like what's something that a person wouldn't think about you'd have to deal with when you're on the road cold cut food fights <laughs> <laughs> I mean, backstage and in hotels one, one night in texas <laughs> um, <laughs> um i think i think for me the most surprising part of this is how well we have been received by uh the guns and roses fans and also by the guns and roses members themselves you know we've they've really embraced what we're doing you know after we did that first show um we weren't going to do this project without their blessing you know, because Guns N' Roses is those guys. It's not us, you know? Oh, yeah. So so we, we, we wanted to make sure that they, like, that they were cool with what we were doing. If not, I mean, I don't want to be covering their stuff if they're like, why? <laughs> you know, like, can you stop, <laughs> yeah. please? <laughs> so we did that first show, and um, someone sent Axel some video from that first show. And at first, he was like, I think he was a little on the fence. He was like, I don't sound like a girl. Why are girls covering us? How is this going to fly? And then once he heard it... He um in that first show, I, I I'll be honest, it was really shaky. I mean, we had one rehearsal really. We played all of Appetite front to back. That's a lot of material to learn. And um oh, yeah. some of those songs have dozens of different parts that make it feel like if you're learning multiple songs. So um yeah. you know, he heard some of our first set and um he started tweeting about us. So oh. to to me that was the green light of like, go ahead. We got the we got the seal of approval from the man himself. So um you know, but yeah. like Slash is a fan, and Adler wants to come play with us at some point in time, and Frank's a buddy, and you know, like it's it's great. They all love that we do this, and they support it, and they're like super down with it. So, you know, that feels good that they gave us their seal of approval. So, I think to me, that's like the biggest shocking thing from us doing this is that they're super cool with it, and they support us doing it, and their fan club has had us come play like kickoff parties for their tour and things like that, which is yeah. really super cool to me. You know, that's, that's a huge honor. So yeah, that, oh, yeah. I, yeah, you're right. That's probably the most unexpected is how warmly received that we've been. Yeah. yeah. When you guys, uh, when you guys have played or w interacted with the band, is there anybody in particular that 
has sort of stood out to you guys that you interact with the most? Um, you go that's, for that's it, a hard right? one. Yeah, that's a hard question. Uh, well, probably Dizzy because we tour with him sometimes. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we definitely do, do the, you know, we'll go out with Hookers Blow and do some shows with them from time to time. Um, but, you know, I, I've kind of known all of those guys and their different counterparts on different levels like for years so you know i can't say that we're the best of friends but we we you know living in hollywood for this long and working in the music music business you're bound to cross paths so um you know i i guess you know like slashes band members the conspirators are good old friends of mine mm. as well so they're always you know when they are doing conspirator stuff you know they would always like you know there rehearsal rooms across the street from my dr drum room so i'd always like pop in and say hi or they'd come over and say hi to me and you know oh, that was always cool yeah, Brent was a, he was a really great guest that we had one time too at the Viper Room. He came up and did a couple of sets with us. So that was, they're, they're always really awesome to us. Yeah, so they're great guys. And, and like I said, Dizzy, we tour with him from time to time. So that's fun when he does his hookers and blow stuff because they'll do, you know, they'll do all the piano GNR songs and yeah. we will do all the non-piano songs. So our sets don't conflict with each other, but like, I'll jump up and play a tune or Jenna will come and sing <clears throat> and give Dizzy a break. So we all just jump on stage with each other and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, one night Dizzy gave us like such a huge compliment that, um, you know, he's over the years has played with every Guns N' Roses tribute band you could imagine. And, yeah. and he was like, you know, he's like, I'm sitting up in the dressing room listening to you girls before we go on stage and you girls play with the right feel and not, many of the bands do that and you look cool and you aren't like wearing a slash wig and trying to look like him and try you know it's not campy like we just kind of we don't try right. to emulate them on stage we just do our own thing people know who i am as a drummer they know who jenna is as a singer so we just yeah. we get up as us and play songs that we love but we try to play them well and um so so dizzy kind of gave us the seal of approval that we're playing everything right and that the feel sounds good and it's it's really like a pleasure for him to listen to us so that's that's kind of super cool. That Great compliment. Really cool. <clears throat> that's something you said there that I really, uh, I really do agree with. That's I think does make you guys stand out. Besides, obviously, the being a whole an all girl band is that you don't try to be anybody else. That you are just being yourselves and everything. And I think that really uh, helps too with the the audience more accepting you guys as if not the top of the tribute artists, then at least one of uh, the most tribute that was one of my rules when we when you know I got the first call about starting this band is I was like anyone that's in the band they have to play the parts and they have to play them well like Guns N' Roses is made up of five very specific components and each of those components has to be right or else the machine doesn't work so you know to me it was really important that like no, no sliding by writing your own solo or like everyone has to play their parts and play them well right and and i didn't want to get out there and have some some like goofy like <clears throat> she adler name or i mean i didn't i just that just felt so cheesy to me and like i said like you know people know who i am as a drummer before paradise kitty so you know it was important to me to just like you know that whatever we did it was cool it wasn't campy yeah. it wasn't weird it was no wigs involved no none of that bull it was just really integral and musically integral as well so yeah have you guys ever been approached with being in la have you ever been approached by anyone about possibly uh recording something on your own 
like maybe something original, maybe in that same rock and roll spirit as GNR or the All 80s the time. band? Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Well, I mean, Jen and I actually have other little side things that we've been dabbled in working on here and there. There's been some labels yeah. that ask for some stuff. But, you know, like people that aren't in this business, they, they don't realize like how those opportunities come and go so quickly. You know, yeah. and I, I used to tell people that getting a record deal was the easy part. It was keeping it that was hard. And now that's all even harder and weirder and things have changed even more. This industry is in such flux right now. But oh, yeah, yeah th- there's there's stuff here and there that we've worked on with other people as well. And, um, you know, maybe something will be coming out at some point in time. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really cool, especially coming from this audience. It's always starving for new material, <laughs> it seems like. Very true. Very yeah. True. We yeah, I don't guys. think I don't think we can write exactly like that. I mean, like so many bands have tried to write like Guns N' Roses, but it's like I said, it's really those personalities that make the magic. You know, yeah. like you you can't yeah. you can't conjure the magic. It's not like a a Duncan Hines recipe. You know, it's like either th- that magic is there or it's not. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, well, when you guys started, when you guys came in, and then you finally started growing and you eventually would tour internationally what uh what's something about touring internationally that you didn't really expect versus touring when you're at home hmm. sitting in a know. middle seat on the airplane <laughs> oh god i don't yeah middle on, seat. on a 17 <laughs> hour flight across the pacific 19 oh. hour jenna it was 19 hours oh was it 19 hours it was 19 but you know, when when you're uh, when you fly, depending on how the deal is done, you know, um, sometimes the promoter buys your flights, and when they buy your flights through a third party service, they just here's the names, here's the tickets, and then I couldn't switch my seat, and I'm like, I am stuck. Oh no! And I'm tall. I'm five ten. Don't make me eat my knees crammed into the <laughs> middle. I mean, I was so unhappy, but whatever. I mean, <laughs> other than that, like I've lived abroad before, so you know, I don't know. I I love. I think. And Jenna, you could probably completely agree with me on this, um, that anyone who, who loves doing what we do, you love new cities, you love new adventures, yeah. you, you have gypsy feet, you want new sights, smells, people, yeah. you, you, new, you new skylines new to look at. Morning. Exactly. Yeah, you, you have to have an adventurous spirit to love doing what we do. And so going to another country is just like, cool, let's go chase koalas. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go walk down cobblestone streets that are like thousands of years old. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> what do you, um, is there another country of all the places you tour and everything besides, of course, America, because that's where you're from, but like what country would you think feels most like home? Australia re- surprised me how much yeah. it felt like here. Yeah, um, Australia is definitely, a, 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 may, it, maybe it's even just the climate too and the places that we played, but it's got a very LA attitude for, a, a LA attitude mixed with European and, um, and Asian, but it's very eclectic and that's what makes it more home, that's what made it more homey for me because here in LA we're a big melting pot and they seem to be there too. And yeah. they're, they're, they're biting tooth and nail for just rock and roll and that was the best part about it. They are some super fans down there and just the sweetest people, too. I could easily move to Australia and not look back. That's for sure. Isn't that, isn't that strange how that is? Because, like, it seems like classic rock is has never lost its heyday when you go internationally, like, especially in yeah. places like Brazil and 
think you oh, said yeah. Australia. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, we we need to get to Brazil. We 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 tried. Uh, <laughs> We've tried. There's, been a, be... there's, there's been a couple maybes, but you know, we we tried. I had an ex boyfriend that that lives down there, and he's a big star down there. And, and I was like, you need to help us get to Brazil. So he's like, Oh, I'll call this promoter. So he did. Then he called me back. He's like, well, the promoter's really busy and, and he's got a lot going on and he doesn't know if you guys would quite fit because you know, he already has something similar. And I was like, well, what do you want us to play? And he goes, Oh, it's the rock and Rio guy. Guns and roses is playing. And I was like, well, oh. <laughs> thank you. But can you call some clubs? <laughs> something similar to you guys it's this little band something called similar. Guns I, don't, I don't know if they'd fit i don't know if they're big enough i was like well what what size venue oh it's rock and rio i was like, <laughs> I was like thanks but you're thinking why he goes well it's a promoter i know that would like you guys i was like oh god <laughs> well hey obrigada the most... obrigada <laughs> <laughs> they are the most requested band at rock and rio and <laughs> So I mean, if they can't get if they can't get Axel and GNR, I mean, I think you guys would kill in Brazil as popular as GNR is down there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, GNR is like like a, a national treasure down there. It's, right. it's bananas, but it's just really have, getting the right offers at the right time. And one thing I will say about our agents that um, I really appreciate from them is because we are a group of girls. They will not send us to a foreign country unless they've already done a deal with that promoter, unless they've already sent people over and they know that they went over and came back without any problems. You know, like uh. they're they're a little more cautious with us than they are with a group of guys because um, just because they don't want it on their back if something were to happen to us because they are sending five girls to a foreign country. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's good, though, that they're like that, though, because that's that could end disastrously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about uh, when you play in L.A. and things like that? Is there a particular venue that you were the most excited to get to perform in that you finally? In L.A.? Yeah, because L.A.'s got tons of places. You've got the Whiskey. You've got the Troubadour. Like There are, and we've, we've played a lot of them, but really the Viper Room is our home here. Wouldn't yeah. you say, Jenna? Oh, the vibe rooms where I cut my teeth, particularly growing up, and then they have been so good to Paradise Kitty since day one. Like that—that that is our home. That stage yeah, is they, where we live. They let us go in, and, and we'll take over nights, and we'll or we'll yeah. take over a residency, and we'll play one night a week for a month, or like you know, one day a month for a certain amount of time. And um, and we we pack the house, and it's just always it. Even though the stage is so super small, it's just always such a good vibe in there, and they treat us so well that it's the shows are always an amazing amount of fun. So yeah, yeah, those venues they seem they look small, but man, what what a hell of a show you always see! Like when you see the videos and tapes and things that come out of there, right? Like, it's always got like a like a great energy, and maybe that's part of it—that up close and personal feel for the audience yeah. that gives it that vibe and that energy. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And like, and like I said, like, you know, the right recipe, like some, some places just have magic and you can't, it's not something you could build or buy. It's either in the walls or it's not, it's just like a certain vibe to it that works, you know? What, what are some of the bands you guys have got to play with? Like, I know you guys, uh, open for faster pussycat, I believe a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We toured cross country with them. What a summer. hell of a pairing though. <laughs> that was a good call. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. 
and, and yeah. those, there are brothers they're like you know there are neighbors and you know besties so you know that was just like t- taking a bunch of the, the neighborhood kids and throwing them out on a tour together and it was just a lot of fun so i love fester pussycat but like i i, I took me a long time to even find them because they at least around here i'm from i'm originally from the south but I, even now i live in the midwest and they still don't really play faster pussycat on the radio on classic rock like they do the stones or yeah mm-hmm people like that i mean it took a long time for me to discover them i was well grown before i discovered faster pussycat which was cool to me because being a classic rock fan you don't get a lot of new music yeah it's always fun when you like find those like that that little thing that was hiding and then you're like oh my god a new favorite band that's new to me even though they're 20 years old yeah 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 Yeah, love faster uh, oh yeah those guys are those guys kill it and we've gotten to we've gotten to play like a lot of fun festivals and stuff stuff with like a lot of other of our friends and buddies. So it's it's always yeah. like you know we got to do a festival with like it had like everyone from Skid Row to Pat Travers on it. Like, yeah, that was, <laughs> it was that that was cool. You know, we we tend to not do that many tribute circuit things. We play more of of things like that. Like we'll do shows with like Skid Row, Warrant, <laughs> Faster Pussycat. We'll do a tour with Dizzy Reed or things like that. Instead of doing like, we don't play with many tribute bands. Yeah. And I think that what we talked about earlier about how you guys are cool and not campy and not, you know, lame or <laughs> anything like that, <laughs> that, uh, that helps you guys to fit in better into those kind of tours. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are the novelty act, you know? Yeah. I mean, there is that, but at the same time, you're unique enough that the audience know already knows the songs, so you don't have to worry about you know yeah. them, you know, not uh, not knowing what's going on and stuff like that that happens too. And that's one of the downsides with original material. That's why I talk to a lot of cover bands that are great bands and phenomenal artists, uh, but they don't do original stuff because you can't you can't draw money that way sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that's like something where you have to have the magic too and right timing and knowing the right people, having the, having the right people in your group. It's hard to be an independent artist these days. Um, It really is like that. The wind has to be blowing the right way. People have to be in the right mood. uh, Countrywide. (laughs) Right. Stuff like that. The the, the fire under the cauldron has to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it seems like it almost does take like a voodoo hex or something. Seriously. (laughs) Well, when you guys are touring, what's something that you've seen go down at a show or something while you were in another town? What's the craziest thing that's gone down while you guys were out and about on the road? Um, I don't don't know, like. With us, Rach, can you think of anything with yes, like us touring? Yes. Well, I've got plenty well, of stories it's, just, it's something, it's not, it's not something that you're going to expect, though. Um, we have this one fan who um, I met at the Rainbow. He's a huge Guns N' Roses fan. And then he lives in Australia, and he follows Guns N' Roses oh. around, the, around the globe. And so, you know, when we went to Australia, he flew to <clears> almost <throat> every one of our shows. Because Australia's a big it's a big continent. So, yeah. you know, we had to fly from show to show. So it'd be like coming to the U S and playing, you know, from LA to Denver to Dallas to Jacksonville to North Carolina. That's like kind of like the tour we did of Australia. Yeah. So we're flying around and he flew 
to almost all of the shows except for one because his dad was coming with him and his, <laughs> his dad got really drunk at the airport and got arrested. So he, <laughs> he didn't make it to one of the shows because his dad got arrested. But then all of a sudden, like a year later, we're playing in Denver, Colorado, and he's in the freaking audience. And I was like, uh-huh. man, what are you doing here? Are you like out? Like GNR's not even in the neighborhood because I'd always see him in L.A. when GNR would be rolling through, you know? Yeah. And I was like, they're they're on hiatus. He goes, I know they're on hiatus. And I was jonesing. So I figured the next best <laughs> thing is to come see you girls. So he flew from Australia, the other side of the planet, as far away as you could fly, <laughs> to Denver, Colorado to come watch us play a bar. And he and turned not up only that, with our logo up- tattooed <laughs> on his arm. What? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I love Grant. That guy's awesome, man. Yeah, he said oh, that every man. every country he goes to, he gets a like he's he's seen something like 150 Guns N' Roses shows. It's in, he's part of that that crew of people that just flies around, and oh, yeah. and so his whole life is working to fly to see Guns N' Roses. That's his everything. So every time he goes to a new country, he gets a tattoo, a Guns N' Roses tattoo, to commemorate being there. He's covered right. in tattoos, and they are all Guns N' Roses tattoos except for ours. And he got uh, ours because he figured it's still kind of Guns N' Roses, so he got the Show Me Your Kitties logo tattooed on his forearm <laughs> in Malaysia, uh, <laughs> which that is, is so, great. That is cool, though. That's wild, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, it's I crazy. You know, it's funny. The more you talk about that, I think I might know who you're talking about. You, you, you probably do. I'm <laughs> probably sure he's do. probably listening to this podcast right now. Grant, we love you, man. Uh, so, I think yeah. he'll he'll be in touch if it's who I think it is. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and that's nice tattoo, bro. I'm sorry. We just changed the name of the band. Uh, well, he, he, he didn't get that. We have this one logo that's a cat. It's like a a skull, but it's a cat skull, and it's in um. We had a T-shirt made that says "Show Me Your Kitties," because um, you know some guys don't want to wear a shirt that says "Paradise Kitty." They just it's too feminine for them. So I was like, "We're making a damn shirt that everyone's going to wear, whether they know who we are or not." So we we had right. this "Show Me Your Kitties" logo and hat and shirt made. So he uh, <laughs> he had the "Show Me Your Kitties" logo tattooed on his on his did arm. You, did you guys? I wonder if that helped at Eddie Bars for. <laughs> <laughs> Can I see your tattoos? Is all yeah. Here you go, ladies. <laughs> Hi. What do you think? <laughs> the seventh fail. Wow. Oh Did you guys immediately settle on Paradise Kitty, or was there uh, was there another one? Or what are some of the ones that didn't make the cut? That one's all rage right there, man. She's a genius so, when it comes. So to before Mexico. we before we met at that first rehearsal there was this other singer that we were talking to this was before jenna came into the mix we never actually met this girl in person because her her email messages were just like a bit too much but um oh. you, you know like when you play in a band with people you got to be able to like being a good hang goes a long way you, you don't want to be stuck on a 12-hour car ride with people you don't want to hang out with you know oh yeah so basically uh like she velvet was, revolver <laughs> we can't afford separate buses so <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but uh she wanted to name the band um uh huns and roses huns? and i was like huns like hey hun 
Oh, I was thinking like Attila the Hun. That's what I thought. I was like, that's all. I went straight to Attila the Hun. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, well, you need it. That's what it is. Unless you come up with something better. And I was like, Paradise Kitty. It just came out of my mouth and it stuck. So it fits. It It fits. It fits. It's cute. It gave us like some fun logo ideas and stuff, you know. So. So, guys, are you guys still uh, you're on your website and everything? Are you guys have your merch and stuff available for people to purchase and things like that on if they want to go and? Uh, we don't at the moment. Um, that's going to all be popping up soon, but we just due to due to COVID and all this stuff going on, it's kind of made things weird with putting putting stuff up and then shipping it out, and so we're we're waiting to we're waiting for all this to blow over to get that going. But you can message us on our social medias and we can work stuff out that way okay so are you guys thinking about um is it possible with the way or how with where everybody is for you guys to uh to do like any streaming shows or anything like that like metallica is doing right now there is and you will probably see something like that from us within the next month or two yeah okay Okay. We're we're talking with a couple different people. Like, you know, the Monsters of Rock wanted us to come play theirs, but scheduling wise, it wasn't going to work out. So we're we're just trying to find the right date for all that to happen. But you will probably see a live stream of us doing a full set at some point. Yeah. Can I can, can I interview you for a second? So sure. what's your what's your favorite Guns N' Roses story? <laughs> Mine? Oh God, I've got so many. I was part of those people that used to work to to fly to see Guns N' Roses and mm-hmm. I decided one day I'd like to retire and buy a house or something <laughs> and so I had to give up that life but yeah oh my god how so many, many times did you see them 13 nice. I'm, I'm now, probably I'm, around like 14 actually I just remembered I'm probably around like 12 or something I'd have to count but I I I luck luckily I was able to see the April Fool's show at the Troubadour, which was insane. Oh. That was just insane. It was such a fun night. So They're supposed really to be cool. releasing that. We've heard so many times that they're going to release the Troubadour, and the fans in the GNR community online are begging for that one. Yeah. Like, that's, the, that's the, what do you call it, the, the holy grail right now. Yeah, it would, you know, well, because for those of us that were there, we all waited, in, except for the people that snuck in line. We <laughs> slept on Sunset Boulevard and waited in line overnight, all night, you know, got our tickets around noon, finally, the next day, being awake all night. Went home, tried to sleep for a couple of hours, but everyone was afraid that if we fell asleep that we, like, wouldn't wake up and we'd miss the show. <laughs> so, watching the show, it was, like, such a dreamlike state because there was no sleep. Like, I was just exhausted. I wish... I could have like had a day in between to like actually sleep, but, um, but it was still really cool. Really, really cool to be a part of that. Well, that, uh, that show is, it boggled my mind because from what, what it seemed like is that place sold out on a rumor. Like there were people going around the the block to buy tickets and it wasn't even officially confirmed. No, 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 it didn't. So what they did is they, they kind of it it yeah it was kind of a rumor but i knew it was going to happen so i had like literally people were selectively trading information about it so like i had a girlfriend who knew a guy who mowed slash's dad's lawn 
<laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> and she'd be like, so have you heard anything about this April Fool's show? And I'd be like, um, well, I have something. What do you have? So we, we would trade information very selectively and very carefully, you know, because uh-huh. it was like you didn't want someone to run their mouth and then didn't be able to get a ticket because more people turned up. So yeah. um, it ended up being, the, you know, they gave out tickets at Tower Records and we all just I was like the fifth person in line or something. We all lined up wow. and slept on the street overnight and like passed bottles of whiskey down the line, passed boxes of pizza down the line. It was like, it was so cool because in this era, you don't get that sense of community within like that. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was just this like old school community within the rock scene of like when people used to camp out for tickets, you know? And when we got into the show, you know, they, they sealed all of our cell phones. We weren't allowed to like no cell phones in the crowd. So people were actually watching the show instead of watching their phone. And it was fabulous. Yeah, so. that's that's the thing I cannot do. Like I've seen people, and I'll try to take the occasional picture, but I'll come out of my GNR shows with like no photos, hardly maybe two photos, maybe a thirty second clip of a video of like a graphic or something like before a song starts. But I don't see how people can do that, like pay all this money to see a concert just to get there and watch it on a screen. I mean, yeah, I mean you could just go on YouTube after the fact and right. take the person next to you's video. So. <laughs> Why I know, not right? Just watch the show, you know. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube, have you guys uh, back a couple of years ago? There was the big takedown controversy that went down with, in the GNR community. Were you guys apart? Were affected by that at all? Uh, no, no, because um, we actually give them credit for every song that we post up. We it's. Uh, we posted up under the tents, like say, you could be mine, Guns N' Roses, you could be mine as performed by Paradise Kitty. So it automatically sends them all of the rights and royalties for that. So we don't get flagged for any of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. That's a good you, idea. You know, Jenna, I just had a, a memory of something that we did and we collected video for and we never did mm-hmm. anything with. But we have to do maybe we need to start a new campaign with this so when gnr started the tours and they played dodger stadium for the first time it was them and the cult and um so it was like early on in there you know they did those few shows in vegas and they did their first proper tour so it was during that first proper tour jenna and i started interviewing random people in the audience and i think i think we need to finish this campaign (laughs) and it was a tell me about your first time yeah tell me tell me about Either the first time you saw Guns N' Roses live, the first time you heard Guns N' Roses, or the first time you got laid. <laughs> <laughs> that was the tell me your first. Jenna, wait, we, we got, I'm sorry, we just, let's make note. We got we to gotta finish that campaign yeah, because we had some we finish great that. stories that came out of that. And some of those, all three were tied into one story. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's hilarious. Uh, I, hope, I hope you guys get that posted soon. I'd like to see it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, thank you for coming on to the show today. We've have had a blast talking with you. Paradise Kitty, ladies and gentlemen, you can find them. Their links are in the description. And hopefully soon this damn virus will go away so that you guys can get back on the road and we can all get out of our houses for a little while and uh, be away from our families again. Amen to that. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we can get away from from one family and come see our road family because we miss everyone out there. So, we're (laughs) eagerly awaiting when we could get out there and rock out with all of you. So, yeah, we sure are. So, thank you for having us. This was a this was a lot of fun. 
buddy, this is 2020. If you have a smartphone, you're fucking being tracked 24-7. There's a VPN that I've been using for quite some time now, Young Locator VPN service. It'll encrypt your connection, avoids any tracking from any other people, but best of all, I use it to uh, access some of the stuff that's not available for me on like Tubi TV. I can get the American version of Tubi TV, any Netflix, any sort of streaming service that's blocked where you want to access a different uh, country's Netflix or whatever, you know, you can do that with on Locator. Hit the link in the description below. Well, guys, once again, we want to say thanks to Jenna and Rachel from Paradise Kitty for coming and doing that interview with us here. And we've got another guest coming up here in just a moment. But first, please welcome from my hometown of Jefferson City, the Cherry Pistols.
This next segment is brought to you by Honey. Honey is a browser extension that automatically finds and applies the best coupons anywhere on the internet. And there certainly is a lot to love about that. And as a matter of fact, so many people love it. It's got over 100,000 five-star reviews. So click the link in the description right now to add the Honey extension to your browser to unlock deals and start saving today. Welcome back to Guns and Radio, and our next guest tonight is the man who is the lead singer of the band called The Cherry Pistols, as well as numerous other projects that we're going to talk about in just a moment. Please welcome Rich Whalen. How's everybody doing? Oh, it's good, man. Good, good. It's good to hear from you. Good to have you on the show and everything for our big, uh, our big finale. Uh, you got anything coming up that you want to talk about before we get started? Um, well, I just got a few projects uh, in the works. Um, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to air, uh, probably after the Cherry Pistols play Thursday Night Live on uh, September 10th. Um, yeah. Then I have uh, some solo things that I'm doing, um, just acoustic, uh, all over the place, seven decades, um, trying to just entertain as many people as I can at one particular time. Uh, I call that Rich Whalen Live, so it's just me and an acoustic guitar. I also do uh, just some backup tracks where I can get out in the crowd with a wireless mic and have some fun and uh, oh, yeah. have some party that way. And uh, I also have another uh, project called Aquanet All-Stars. And I think this is probably something your listeners would uh, really enjoy. It's with my brother, who's the lead singer of Notorious. They're an arena rock tribute band. Um, but Aquanet All-Stars is basically just what it sounds like. It's it's ever, all of the big hair bands uh, all of the, just the great music that they put out uh, in the 80s and early 90s. Um, so between the, the two of us and, you know, two guitars, one guitar player played keys, uh, bass, drums. So there's, there's six of us and we'll be rocking. So we actually have our debut show on Halloween, October 31st at Capitol Bluffs in Jeff City. And we'll be doing that show with Five Turn Knot as well. Oh, that's going to be a good show then. That seems like that'd be a real fun show to be because they, uh, they do kind of old school covers and things like that as well they definitely bring the party and you know that's what we're looking to do uh just all the fun 
you know, we're not looking in there to make people cry. You know, we're not going to be doing the songs about suicide or, um, you know, saying <laughs> bye to Michelle or don't close your eyes or things like that. But those those are some great bands in that era of time. There was a lot of talent um, and they were just so much fun. And that's what we're digging. That's that's what we grew up listening to and partying with. And uh, we feel like there's a lot of people out here. They get to hear bands do some of those songs but i don't think they really get to see them performed in a really big way and that's what we want to bring we want to be bring that big stage show back so this is not a an act that you're going to see in a small club on a, a tiny stage this is a big stage act oh that's going to be cool then man uh i know you said you play guitar i never realized that you played uh guitar before because you don't play with the cherry pistols no, I can kind of play everything. I, I'm probably like a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, so I play good, well enough just to get me by. Uh, so I can just you, know, I can sing. That's that's what I do both most. But uh, I've been playing guitar since I was ten. I've been practicing since the COVID shutdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not much. <before> that. <laughs> well, speaking of that, we were uh, talking, Chris and I, before we uh, started recording the interview. And I was going through my Instagram today, and I realized the Cherry Pistols have the honor of being the last concert I went to before the virus came and shut everything down. And I did not realize that. Well, that's <clears throat> a very dubious distinction, isn't it? <laughs> that's something I didn't. I was on. I was completely unaware of. Uh, but. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Like, do you, what's going on with this? Like, I know you guys are playing Thursday night live and by the time this airs, that will be a thing of the past. Are you worried or anything about these kind of large gatherings and stuff like that with this virus going on? Uh, personally, I'm not worried. Um, it's an outdoor show. Uh, I've already had Rona, so I, I got through it fine. The symptoms were so mild. Um, didn't really bother me. So I have antibodies, you know, I'm not worried about it. Um, I, I believe in that masks do help if, you know, people want to wear those, but my biggest belief that if, if you're indoors, um, and you know, people have symptoms, then they, they don't go anywhere. They're just stuck indoors and they just multiply and multiply and multiply. Whereas when you're outdoors, I believe the parts per million is so, you know, infinitesimal that, you know, if one person isn't going to spread it to everybody outside, if anyone at all, um, unless they just sneeze right in your face. So I, yeah. I think being outdoors, uh, you know, for the most part, just because there's so much, uh, there's so many air particles to go around and, and the, the virus particles are so concentrated, you know, I, I'm not worried about that, you know, at all. However, um, you know, we do appreciate people, you know, respecting the band's uh, personal space because, you know, that's the some things sometimes we don't get to choose that you know we we want to yeah. keep our distance we want to stay on the stage or some guys you know even toward the back uh, or something like that and there's times where people you know come right up to us and don't really let us get to our break resting point or something like that and and we have to engage people but uh you know it doesn't really worry me i enjoy doing those things um but if you are a person out there and you really want to talk to um, somebody in a band that you're really listening to you may want to just you know check with them first and see if that's all right yeah, that's a good idea, man. Uh, when you said you had the virus, what uh, what was it like for you? Because I've heard stories from other people and things like that, but I haven't actually conducted the interview myself or anything. What? How did you find out that you had it? 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little background. Um, I go to Las Vegas every year during the Super Bowl. And so this year I made my annual trip. And when I was out there, I started to feel like my throat was swollen up a little bit, you know, like, like my nymph, my lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens to me, um, I usually try to nip it in the bud. I, as a singer, I can't let an illness progress. I can't let it get down into my lungs. You know, I can't be congested. Um, so I went straight to urgent care, but it was even too late by then. Um, but what it felt like to me was bronchitis. So, you know, when I was sick, when I got back, I had chills, you know, I had fever. Um, I didn't even suspect Rona though, because this is something that I, I, I've used to have chronic bronchitis and it felt exactly that same way. Um, the even urgent care didn't really think that I had, um, coronavirus, you know, they felt like it was bronchitis as well. Got me some antibiotics and steroids. And in two days, you know, I felt great. And, you know, it, it, it wiped me out a little bit energy wise, and it took me about a week and a half to get past that, but I had no residual effects. So when this time came around, it started the same way where I just had a little bit of a runny nose and my lymph nodes were swollen. I thought that I was getting bronchitis again. And so I went straight to urgent care, got antibiotics <clears throat> and steroids in a couple of days. I felt great. Um, it happened that I, a pers- uh, a personal, a close personal acquaintance ended up testing positive around that same time and having different symptoms than mine, uh, but they had some nonetheless. So I just went and got myself checked. So to be sure that I, you know, could quarantine or should quarantine and stay away from certain people. uh, And I tested positive, Uh, but my symptoms were so, so mild. Um, Actually, the worst thing about having coronavirus was when I got tested and they stuck that big thing up my nose and, you know, tickled my brain for a while. (laughs) I, I, I can't tell you. I, it's amazing to me how my brain wasn't bleeding uh, after sticking <laughs> that thing up there. Uh, and then I just, my head felt fuzzy for about a week after that. So there's some parts of your body you're just not supposed to be touched. <laughs> uh, did you, so you, so you had, you had it twice, you think? Is that what you say? No, I truly believe that I did not have it back in February because okay. it, it went away so quick with the, uh, uh, with the antibiotics and supposedly it's supposed to be antibiotic resistant. So, you yeah, know, I don't, I really don't think, I think it was just a regular bronchitis. And I think that's something that people need to keep in mind that every little sniffle, um, every sneeze, every cough doesn't necessarily mean it, it's Corona. I mean, we've had all of these other things for so long, you know, around us, you know, we get them, we get sick, you know, we deal with it, we heal, we move on. And I know that uh, coronavirus is real. I'm not saying it's not. And I know on some people, you know, it's very difficult to deal with. And if it gets down into your lungs, you know, that can be um, very hard to deal with, if not even deadly for, you know, people who can't fight it off. So uh, I know it's a real thing. I don't think that's what I had in February. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad you came out. I didn't get tested for it then either. Yeah. Well, at least you know you're well. You came out of it uh, unscathed. So that's the... That's the important thing. But I know what you mean about the paranoia that goes with it, because ever since this thing has started, man, I swear, dude, every time I sniffle, I'm thinking, I'm like uh, Fred Sanford thinking this is the big one. (laughs) (laughs) So I know exactly what you mean. I've been paranoid as hell. I don't think there's anything wrong with being paranoid if it means you're also proactive. So if you feel like you're, you know, getting those symptoms and if you're not, if you're not sure, err on the side of caution 
and one, go get tested if you can. The problem is, unless you have certain symptoms, it's almost impossible to get tested in Jefferson City. It's crazy. Yeah. I had to, I called three different numbers. Um, I went through two or three different websites. Um, they, they kept, you know, moving me all around and, until I finally had an appointment. Um, and I think the fact that I knew somebody and that's what I used as my, you know, bait to be able to go get tested, um, that helped me get in. But otherwise, they're just not, te- they're, they should be testing anybody that wants to be tested. And it's just not happening. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing I did is I went straight to urgent care and I got, you know, antibiotics and steroids. The steroids help, you know, keep my lungs clear, um, you know, keeps, you know, fluid and congestion out and, and things like that. So uh, even if I'd had it, I think those things actually help. You know, they don't they don't cure it by any means. But, no. you know, any kind of medicines you can get in and, and let the doctors know or even let them decide is helpful. So just, you know, be proactive and get out there and seek treatment. When, uh, <clears throat> let me ask you about this, because this is something that kind of made national news here in Jeff City. Uh, I guess it's been a year ago now when the uh, the big tornado came. Were you affected by that at all? Very much so. What happened? Um, well, our bass player, Quentin Rice, uh, his properties, he owned Avenue HQ, and it was completely destroyed by the tornado. Oh, completely shit. I didn't realize that. Destroyed. Um, so he had, he had lots of equipment. If you like, I'll tell you, but I was just talking with my nephew. He goes to MU and he happened to stop by here today. Uh, we were talking. So that day, um, I was in Brazito, uh, at my sister's house. The tornado was supposed to be coming through St. Thomas and then hitting mm-hmm. like Honey Creek is where we're at. Well, it missed us by about two miles, but that was about it. So then I was calling my mother who lived in Jefferson City just to, and I, they live pretty close to Highway 54. We knew that was the path of the tornado. So she had, she takes out her earrings, her ear aids, her hearing aids. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, she turned off her phone. Now she, I, I had to drive into town. Oh, There's God. debris all over the road. Um, there's trucks overturned where by bronze, uh, auto savage, which what another side story about that is my dad had a car that was at bronze. It got destroyed in total just because it was, in the oh, shop. Oh, um, so there's like, there were three trucks overturned right there on that corner of 54. The tornado jumped over at 179 and then it hit the, um, uh, special Olympics training site and then Riley's and all that. Oh well, God. You can, see, you can see Riley's Chevrolet from my parents' house. There, there's a side street that goes right up there. So they're almost a storm's throw. It's maybe a quarter of a mile or something. So it was that close to, you know, where my folks were, but the tornado had it kept, had it not jumped 54 probably would have ended up, <clears> you know, getting very close to their house, but it jumped the highway and went over. So yeah. I also have a sister that lives down on uh, the corner of Cherry Street and High Street. So I, the next day, I'm, I'm trying to make my way downtown. I was in neighborhoods you wouldn't believe. Uh, there between Stadium and um, Miller Street. And there was just so many down trees everywhere. If you, if you were near Monroe Street, they had all the side streets blocked off. If you were on Lafayette, they had all the streets blocked off in between. So somehow I got by a barrier I didn't even realize, and I couldn't get out of the neighborhood because there was just trees down everywhere. And they didn't talk about that area at all. You never heard it on the news. You heard about Hawthorne Apartments there by the YMCA, uh, that break time there on Ellis and, and Sonic and um, that church there, you know, all that got hit pretty hard, but they didn't talk about those neighborhoods. And those, nobody was hurt. 
there were volunteers that went and knocked on a thousand doors uh, and everybody was fine. They just didn't have power. And there were crews in there cleaning up the tree. So it all happened really, really fast. But when I went to check on my sister, her house was fine, but just a half a block away. There's an alley behind her house. I guess that's commercial drive that goes all the way downtown. Uh, and they were, there were trees that were over that they were chainsawing, cutting up. And then Avenue HQ is at the 600 block uh, corner of Lafayette and East Capitol. And yeah, the whole building was destroyed. The worst part is that when it took the top off, it broke the water pipes. And so all the water damage oh. went straight down. And he used a lot of the a basement storage area for a lot of his gear and, you know, PA systems, even extra things and stuff like that. And all that was <laughs> sitting in about 10 to 12 inches of water. Oh, God. So there, luckily he's got a lot of great friends. And so we, you know, we got everything out of there. We got the water out. Some of it was salvageable. A lot of his stage gear was not. Um, but you know, that's what insurance companies are for. And, uh, you know, he's doing really good, but ultimately that's how we were affected. We didn't necessarily lose a lot of jobs because of it. Um, maybe a couple, uh, that I recall, but, um, there was a lot of people I know, wedding venues you know people scrambling to you know just get the receptions in and things like that and so our friends in the music industry with pas and things like that were scrambling you know just to help these people out and uh and get their events done and things like that but for the most part i mean it didn't affect me a whole lot i don't really think i lost as many jobs not like the the virus shutdown stuff is doing oh yeah well, man, I, I didn't even know all of that. So, I mean, I'm glad everybody's okay and everything with all of that. Cause that was a crazy night. And, uh, uh, I've told my story about running through the parking lot and my underwear and flip flops and <laughs> on here, before. <laughs> but, uh, I know what you mean about the, uh, the houses that got affected because, uh, the next day, I rode through, uh, I was headed somewhere and I went through and I saw that. And the, the only thing, and I, I, I nothing's funny about this. I know, but it, it, it's, it's a little funny. Uh, there was a guy sitting on a porch and that porch had a tree that had been uprooted and a hole poked through it. And half of the tree was sticking out of the, the roof of his porch. And he was just sitting under the tree smoking a cigarette like nothing was wrong with the situation whatsoever. And <clears throat> I did see that and that <laughs> but it was devastating. I know what you, I know exactly what you mean. It, it it's I mean it, it's amazing how lucky as a community we were. You know, there there was only one person that was really injured. Um and they were thrown, I guess. Uh, and they ended up having to lose a leg. So they actually lost oh. a limb. They eventually died from those injuries. So oh, no. th- there's not a lot of press about it. For the most part, everybody will tell you that, you know, there were no casualties, but there, there was one, it was just indirect. He didn't die till, till a couple weeks later. Um, but yeah. that they lived over on, um, heritage highway right off 54 you know, there were yeah. a couple neighborhoods here that were devastated mm-hmm. i mean just leveled only thing left were foundations you know there were a couple trailer parks over there um that were just totally leveled you know i have some friends that lived on in the back end of that community and their house was fine um, because it was more up the street where it was they lived really close to 54 and it was you know but we're talking 50 feet you know, and yeah. maybe 50 yards. And, you know, we're, we're talking when we talk about feet and yards, you know, that's just crazy. 
how close, you know, people that we love were, you know, and basically escaped all that damage. Yeah. It's, it was a lucky break for most of us. I'll say that at least. Uh, I feel so bad for the people that lived in the apartments, you know, because just trying to find places for them, you know, the people that waited the longest, there were no more places, you know, yeah. the city was at full capacity and there was no place for them to go. That, that's what I feel the worst about. And I couldn't really do anything about that myself. I didn't have a, a place where I could take somebody in. I would have done it. Oh yeah. I know what you mean. I'm the same way. I live in an apartment too. So, I mean, it could have easily happened to me and the people that live over here as well. So, I mean, and it came pretty close to being us. I'll say that it came down close to us, but, uh, we were really fortunate in that, in that whole scenario. Uh, going back to music, man, let's talk about that for a little bit. So you've been, uh, you've been singing for years. Like, uh, is there uh, let's talk, let's take it around and talk about GNR for a minute. Cause we kind of briefly talked about that in the pre-interview earlier. And, uh, you know, you told us that you had a, a fondness for one album in particular. <laughs> Yeah, it was really crazy. So in 1987, I started listening to this radio show called Metal Shop on Westwood One Radio Network. And it came on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, kind of the way that Hair uh, or House of Hair does with D. Schneider now on yeah. uh, KCMQ. But so it was a syndicated show. And I was exposed to just a lot of music that didn't get to the mainstream. Um even bands, I can't even tell you what the names are, uh, but some that I can remember were like um, Fifth Angel and uh, who the, their singer, Ted Pilot. I met those guys in Seattle. He studied under the same vocal teacher that Jeff Tate from Queensryche did. Um, so very, very good band. Um, when the Scorpions came out with their Savage Amusement album, they, they were playing almost all the cuts off of that album. I was big into Scorpions back then. Um, and one time they played this uh, three songs from a band called Guns N' Roses. And this is, you know, 87. I, I know the album was released in July of 87, so it wasn't very long after that. And it was Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City. And I think the third song was, it was either Mr. Brownstone or Night Train. Uh, it wasn't Sweet Child of Mine like everybody would think it was. Um, so, yeah. you know, back then we had we had radios with uh, tape recorders and when songs came on, you know, we'd hit record. And so I had a tape with those songs on them, amongst other things that I would keep in my car and I'd listen to all the time. So fast forward about three months and there was a band from Omaha that was traveling through and playing a local club in Jeff City. I had a night off and I'm just hanging out with them and talking and they start singing a song just sitting at the bar and I like, I've heard that song before. What is that? And they're like, it's guns and roses. And they were, they were doing paradise city. Um, and I'm like, I've heard that song before, you know, how do I know that? Because I hadn't really had the name of the band really stuck into my brain yet. Um, yeah. fast forward about another three months, I'm hanging out with uh, the band that I was in. It was a band called Bits, uh, based out of Waynesville. And, my guitar player's cousin, he'd just come back from Colorado and he says, I have the CD. You guys got to listen to this. This is so awesome. And it was Appetite for Destruction. And so it's still six months after its release. It still hasn't hit the Midwest yet, but it's starting to make its way over. And I, when I look at that and I saw it, I'm like, I've been listening to this for six months already. You know, this is <laughs> an awesome, awesome CD. 
Um, and it was, I think, just after that or not long after that, you've probably already talked about how they got their origin when they played uh, the video at 4 o'clock in the morning on MTV and then they, everybody blew up the switchboard and melted it. And yeah. um, they finally got them airplay. But it was it, it took a while to really build that album. It just wasn't happening. But I, I was getting it in little bits and pieces, and uh, it was so, so good. What led to the Cherry Pistols uh, a couple of years ago doing the GNR tribute shows? It's hard for me to answer that question because it wasn't my brainchild. Um, but uh, the year before, we had done a Motley Crue uh, tribute, and it went over so well, and everybody responded <clears throat> so good that you know we decided, hey, you know, we actually thought we were probably going to be doing that every year. Uh, after that was so much it was just so much fun you know but it it took so much work because when we're playing just regular covers you know once you learn them and once you rehearse them you don't really have to do it again and when you're playing them every weekend um yeah so but with the motley crew you know we really i mean we had to alter instruments if not you know buy a new guitar here or something like that and just you know rehearse and rehearse and rehearse until we had that down and I thought that that show went off so good and that music was just so much fun. It rocked. So when we decided to do the Guns N' Roses, again, it was the same thing. Uh, we brought in another guitar player, Rob Frommel from Soul Root, um, who apparently his guitar roots, when he started to learn how to play guitar, it was Guns N' Roses. And, and so he, he knew the album inside and out and he yeah. played that stuff so good. So between him and Jay Pelzer, you know, they were just nailing all of those leads and everything sounded so good. Um, there were parts that were straining for me because I just don't have the top end um, like I had seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> but I was still able to hit, hit it all. And it was, you know, we'd get done with the song and all I could just think of is that song rocks <laughs> like <my laughs> Michelle or something like that. And there were so many, you know, that we didn't even play that still would have been awesome. But um, I think ultimately it, it was really just the success of the Motley Crue show that led to the Guns N' Roses show. So we did the Guns N' Roses show by itself uh, when we played at Spectators. And then it was a couple months later that we decided to do both the Motley Crue and the Guns N' Roses together as like a Monsters of Rock uh, type of show. And we did that at the Blue Note. Um, and and I, I can't tell you how much fun it was just to play, you know, all of that music. I mean, you know, it's fun to play all of the music and the variety that we get to play, and especially with the crowd response that the Cherry Pistols get. But when we played, you know, each of those shows, uh, just the anticipation of an entire crowd just waiting for that first note, um, that was that was just so much fun. Was there a recovery period that came with that? Really? <laughs> you're you're kind of you're kind of getting my radio voice today because I, I just finished three nights down at the lake, uh, and we don't often do three nights in a row. That only happens about once a year, if if that. Um, so I'm, I'm recovering from that, but, um, <laughs> the, the worst, the worst thing about it was I was dealing with, a, an issue. I had a broken bone in my back. It was oh. like just a, just a, a little crack vertebrae. It wasn't, I don't know if it was an impact or if it was, uh, I, I don't know how it happened. <clears throat> Not really sure. All I know that it, for the most part, I was okay. But every now and then, if I moved the wrong way, it was pinching a nerve in my right shoulder. Um, and sometimes I would just have pain, just shoot through my arm or something like that. Or, you know, I've, I've had a bad back since I was 13 years old. So, uh, I took a, a bad fall and you just never really get better from those things. But, 
Um, yeah. I feel like I'm spry. I feel like I could still run around and jump around. And then uh, sometimes uh, you, have, you get a shooting pain somewhere in your body and it reminds you of something else. But um, So I told people that I end up laying in a fetal position on the stage at the Blue Note. As long as I have the mic in my hand, just leave me alone. I'll finish. <laughs> I'll finish from the floor, but I'll finish. What's uh, What do you think is uh, the different... Is it is it a different feel playing the blue note than it is playing at specs? Like what what's the, the things that what's it feel like that somebody w- that doesn't do this would would not? What's the word I'm looking for? Expect. Well, for for most of all, I'm a front man, and so that does to me that means I have to do multiple things. You know, I'm, I'm I can't just stand there and sing. You know, and for one thing, you know, I wouldn't want to just watch that. You know, it's kind of boring. So to me, I want to run. I want to run around the stage. You know, I I grew up um, where, you know, the best front men were, you know, Steve Perry and John Bon Jovi and um, Steven Tyler. And and those guys ran, you know, they didn't walk across the stage. They didn't meander. They would run um, and they just put out so much energy. And so the Blue Note being a little bit bigger stage, it gives me the opportunity to do that. Um, now in my head, I'm probably, you know, jumping hurdles and things like that. In reality, (laughs) I'm probably walking really slow. Um, but that, that's the difference. It just, you know, the movement, um, of the live show and, you know, just having that, you know, being able to have a, a balanced PA, you know, where it spectators is just such a tight place that, you know, the, the PA speakers aren't even lined up in the same spot. One's back in the corner. The other one's right by the stage. Um, you know, you can't really move a whole lot. The band doesn't like it when I, you know, jump up and down on things like, you know, on the railing, <laughs> uh, you know, the stairs, the bar, you know, they're, they're worried if I break my leg, everybody's out of work or something, but, or if I crack my head, but um, spectators is more, intimate i would say and that's that can be fun sometimes uh when the crowd is just right up there with you and you know i i've seen you there you know times before you where you're right up there with the rail and having that kind of interaction it's a blast you know i don't want to be really far away from everybody necessarily you know i want to be able to get close but that's also why even at the blue note i'll get off the stage you know go around go down the stairs and get out in the crowd there too if i can yeah well, there's a uh, <clears throat> last time I think I saw you guys play at Specs. I'm going to just be brief on telling this story, but there was a fight that broke out. I went to the bathroom. I think I've told this on here before, Caputo. I went to the bathroom for like two seconds. And uh, as I came out, all of a sudden the chick to dude ratio was definitely swinging the odds in my favor. Because like all the tubes were gone <laughs> and I look over the door and everybody's being ushered out and Rich is like, and then they finish the song and Rich is like, guys, don't worry about what's going on out there. We got the party going on in here. How often does shit like that happen when you guys play? Have you ever seen what's, what's, what's the craziest thing you've seen that similar left that's gone down while you were guys were trying to do your show? Well, I would say with the cherry pistols, I could probably count on one hand how many fights I've seen and and it doesn't even take my whole hand. It just really hasn't happened that much. Um, And I would say a lot of it comes down to the type of music that we play and the atmosphere that we create. It doesn't really lend itself to aggression, you know, more of just, you know, having a really good time and and things like that. And um, it 
the other side of that is when the panties start to get wet, you know, sometimes people get jealous and things like that. <laughs> stuff too. So, um, most likely that's what happened, you know, that night, you know, you, uh, there's most fights start over a girl or something like that. Or, you know, somebody looked at me or threw drink on my boyfriend or something like that. You know, uh, it just doesn't happen with us, you know, very often. Now I've seen it happen in the past a lot when I used to be in bands that played really hard rock, you know, there was usually a, at least one fight a weekend. Yeah. I think I, I can't think of another one that's happened with you guys in particular, but, uh, that one was, uh, the only one, and I don't even know what happened. I wasn't even there for the fight. I mean, well, I was there. The, the strange one, it also happened. At, I, I mean, I'd have to really search my memories, which I don't have a lot of anymore, um, <laughs> to think the, the weirdest one. But I would say in, in recent times, the weirdest one is when I had my girlfriend thrown out. Uh, <laughs> basically, she wasn't, she wasn't my girlfriend anymore. You know, we had just broken up like a couple days before and then she showed up anyway and i asked her to leave nicely you know i even asked a guy that i know she was with whether they were dating or not i don't care i just knew where they were together he was okay i never had a problem with him he was being respectful he was actually keeping his distance but but i asked him nicely i'm like you got to get her out of here you know she can't be here and if i would have been able to maintain my composure well enough it wouldn't have mattered but i found it was really messing with my concentration i mean when i'm singing i don't really miss notes uh even if i'm having a really bad night but what i do is i forget lyrics or maybe where i am in the song if my concentration gets off too much and i found that i was making a lot of those mistakes you know very early in the night you know one might happen occasionally you know at least one a night i never have a perfect night i always mess something up but <laughs> that night it was way too much and so you know she had to go that was really the only solution and so she wasn't leaving nobody was taking her out so finally i, I told security i'm like she has to go and so they drug her out did you axel rose it and did you go, get that guy out of here <laughs> uh, no no I, take I that i try to maintain um a professional attitude and you know just low-key try not to let you know the crowd know what's going on uh, it'll place like spectators. It's hard for anybody not to know what's going on. So. <laughs> Man, that's and, and what's funny is we got back together and we're still together. So, oh, man. but it, it was just one of those where, the you know, we had broken up and it was too raw. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it in that capacity. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work here. You know, it's not working. So. Yeah. Don't come up on my job. I see right. what you're where you're coming from with that. Uh, well, uh, let me ask just a couple more things and then we'll kind of wrap up here. Uh, was the cherry pistols. Are you, how long have you been in that band? Or were you the original singer or did they have somebody else or how did that all come about? Uh, that's a really good question. So the original singer was Dave Baker. Um, oh. at the time he was, he was also singing in five turn knot. Um, so I don't know if he just wanted a side project. Uh, I, I think that's kind of what it started out to be, uh, is just, something you know different you know to do and play maybe his favorite songs and things like that and so it was the cherry pistols were an 80s mixtape it was all 80s and it was really good song list it was a lot of things that you know phil collins and um brian adams and and things like that and uh, hall of notes and just the kind of stuff you don't hear a lot of cover bands do and it was yeah. real enjoyable so um 
another funny story, me and my girlfriend, our first date was at a Cherry Pistol show uh, before I was in the band. Uh, So they had grown a little bit when they got Mike Kivett in the band. But I think as far as dates go, the band started in 2011. Uh, I joined in 2014 when uh, Dave's wife was having another child. And I thought, think he thought he had too many irons in the fire. So uh, he was leaving the cherry pistols and and that left an opening. So uh, I don't know. I don't think I was their first choice, but uh, when it came around time, it worked out. Yeah. That's, that's what I never knew that uh, cherry pistols was like the sister band, I guess, to uh, five turn night, if you will. Yeah. Dave, Dave, uh, Dave was singing in both. Uh, Mike Kibbett was playing keyboards in both. Uh, it, I think after a while, well, I, I don't want to get into another band's, you know, politics. I just don't think there were enough, uh, time to devote to both bands is kind of how, uh, ended up turning out. It just, you know, something had to give. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. And let me ask you one last thing. Now, then there's been a couple of times that, even though I am a very, very much a fan of classic rock music, a lot of times, especially before streaming and before Pandora and things like that, which are just now starting to get, uh, I mean, they've, they've been around, but they're just now starting to get legs under them and stuff like that. But, uh, you really rely on as a classic rock fan. You, if, if, if there was a time where if they didn't play it on the radio, you just didn't hear it. So coming to you guys and stuff like that and seeing you guys play, there's been several, I can't, uh, there's not any I'm willing to name for the shame of it, but (laughs) there's been a few songs that I never heard before, uh, I heard you guys play them and it turned me on to that artist and made me go look up some more of their stuff. How much of that is by design when you're creating a set list? Because it's happened too many times with you guys for me that I've heard you guys play something that wasn't on the radio for me to believe that, that that's not by design. There's several different, um, methods when it goes into it. Now I, from the time I was 19, I got to set this up with a little history. Um, I joined a band that was already working. Um, and I was with that band for a little less than a year, then joined another band that was already working, was with them for about three years and joined another band that was already working. Um, and that, that, you know, mode has always happened for me. I've only one time in my life have I ever started a band from scratch. And it was um, a band called Code Pyramid back in like 96, 97, around then. Um, So in that, from that aspect, to answer your question, I definitely wanted to do songs that I knew would excite people, but definitely knew that they didn't get to hear every day. So It's, it's a catch-22 sometimes. You want songs that people will recognize. Um, so if you play something that's so obscure that they've never heard before, you have a chance to turn them on, but you're, more, uh, you're probably better off playing something that maybe they've heard before, but they really don't get to hear that much anymore. You know, and then that really excites them. It's like, wow, I, I really like this song. You know, I, I want to hear this as much as possible, and then they come to all your shows. So it, there's kind of a fine line there sometimes. Um, the Cherry Pistols in its origin was the former of, you know, playing is a bunch of songs that people don't necessarily get to hear all the time. And after I joined the band and uh, I I think we're just able to see a higher ceiling of what the band could do. Um, So we just started, you know, doing a lot more songs. And then 
um, there were times where we'd play a song and the crowd response was just so amazing that the songs that we'd learn after that were, okay, we got to play this and we got to play this. Um, it also comes from requests. You know, we do a lot of wedding receptions and um, corporate events and things like that as well. So when people start requesting songs, you, you start taking a mental note, you know, okay, we're getting requests for this song all the time. We should probably play it. Um, so I would say, you know, the list now for the Cherry Pistols is much more mainstream you know, the kind of thing that you hear on 96.7 or um, 93.1 Jack FM or something like that. You know, most of our song lists, they're playing all the time. So um, we're, the songs are out there. The only difference is you may not be hearing all the bands play them. Um, so some people still want to hear, the, even if they hear them on the radio, they still want to hear them done live. But my philosophy has always been uh, to just try not to play the songs that everybody's playing. You know, yeah. why, why should somebody come see your band? You know, well, they should be able to see something, you know, that they can't see anywhere else. You know, sometimes it's it's about being better than other bands, but you can't always um, control what somebody else is doing. You know, you can only control what you're doing. So if uh, if somebody like for me, if somebody's playing a song by Bon Jovi, well, let's play Bon Jovi. Well, let's play a different Bon Jovi song. You know, um, I'm, I'm like that a lot. So Aquanet mm -hmm. All Stars is kind of taking that. Uh, type of philosophy you know if we're going to play a rat let's play a rat song that nobody else is playing you know if we're going to play a white snake let's do one that somebody else isn't playing and so on and so instead of sometimes doing the obvious song there's another song that's just as good um, that people will enjoy just as much well folks you can check out rich online on facebook instagram i believe you on ig uh, I'm not actually, but uh, oh. I should probably wake up and smell the new century. <laughs> well, you can check out, uh, rich on Facebook. You can check, uh, cherry pistols, the cherry pistols.com, uh, where you can find their schedule for that band. And where can they find out about your solo stuff and Aquanet, um, all stars and all of the other things that's going on with you. Yeah. Um, so my solo stuff is on Facebook, rich Whalen live and, the Aquanet All Stars, it's just that. It's two words Aquanet All Stars, also on Facebook. All right. And then, of course, we'll have links to all of that in the description of this podcast to make it real easy for everybody to find. Rich, thanks for coming on, taking time out of your day to be a part of the uh, season finale of our podcast. It was my pleasure. I could talk about this stuff all day long. Oh, yeah. I could too. But then uh, we would all be here all night. So. Right. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Season finale of the Guns and Radio podcast. And now it is time for the bit that we've been teasing and tantalizing you with for the last several weeks, which it worked out because we, we decided that we were going to do originally a top 10 list and we came up with like 25 moments to pick between. Yeah. And then Chris and I got together and uh, we settled on a top 20. And it just so happened that we were lucky. And the episode that we were about to drop hadn't come out yet that week when we finally got the 20 list set up. So we, we timed that, that top 20 list just right so that we could do one in GN Extra and one in, on Guns and Radio for the bottom 10. Mm. So it would lead into the top 10. So five weeks. I know, right? This is going to be yeah. exciting. Very exciting. Uh, let's see. Well... Without further ado, let's start with number 10, 
Mm-hmm. You want to introduce this one, or do you want me to? Because I, <laughs> this is one I insisted on us including. <laughs> yeah, no, I can introduce this one. This is from um, one of our like first episodes. This is from episode seventeen, and we covered the Seeker. Um, it's a story about how a little blooper turns into uh, something quite funny because they made the top ten here. So uh, let's get into it <laughs> right away. Our number ten best moment of Guns and Radio Year One. And I know that in 2020, we talked about opening up our guests to uh, friends of the show who uh, mm-hmm. just want to come on and uh, do an episode with us. Yeah, man. Um, this is this is a podcast. We are just two hardcore, diehard GNR fans who just wanted to talk about the music that we love the most, man. So, you know. Oh, who could that be? Let's see here. The IRS, the FBI. Hang on, we gotta do it this way. Beep! Uh, yeah, Mr. Caputo, uh, <laughs> this is uh, the pharmacist over on 14th Street. Uh, we've got the cream for that rash that you've been uh, calling us about. Uh, it finally came into stock. I know when you came in the other day, you were itching and you were scratching pretty hard. It looked like a pretty big emergency there. So you might want to come get this cream here. Uh, and, and, and please, before you come in, try to wash your hands. We would really appreciate I'll see you down at the pharmacy. <laughs> that would have been a perfect plug for like the, the random product bit that we would do. That would have been perfect. Just find, oh, my God. Oh, man. I could not draw attention to it because your phone is so old school that it's funny, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my basement right now recording this. And, like, I still have one of those old, uh, like, attached little wall phones. <laughs> oh, like, man. You could probably sell that at an antique store. Yeah, maybe. Ten bucks. I love that shit, man. <laughs> to me, that is still funny. Uh, do you oh, got it cracks the phone? me up. You yeah. got the phone? Show me the phone. You got it oh, with I don't you? have it on me. No, no. Oh. I don't record in my basement anymore. So fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it's like I have to use that shit sparingly now. Master <laughs> uh. <Mr>. Capota. <laughs> All right. So uh, number nine is a moment that you guys are going to be hearing for the very first time. But it has extreme some historical significance to the show. So it didn't make sense to not include it. Yeah. We, I think we mentioned it like a few times here and there. Like I know I have just out of like sheer randomness. Um, this is a a clip from episode zero. The first time that Dustin and I ever spoke or ever even pretty much ever spoke. Cause like we didn't see each other face to face at this point. Yeah, we wouldn't see each other face to face till what episode four? Later five? on, yeah. Once we got like more comfortable and everything, and it's like, okay, I'm not talking to some random dude like on the <laughs> internet. I'm like, this guy doesn't want like dick pics of me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna turn on this webcam and see a penis. That's that's a that's a very big that's a viable threat. And definitely chat roulette. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, I was about <laughs> to basically say basically like brought us to that moment you know like you don't know if you're gonna see a surprise cock come out of nowhere but anyway without further ado here's the number nine greatest moment of season one of the guns and radio podcast this is the first time chris and i ever spoke to one another all right so uh i'm birch 
Hey, I'm Chris. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. All right. Good and easy to remember. Do you want a handle or something when we do this? No, no. Chris is fine. It's cool. All right. I'll just do Birch or Bertram. It'll be yeah. fine. If you say, what was, uh, how many shows? You been doing any shows? Uh, I've been to like three or four Juno shows. What era? Um, uh, most, I saw the first, actually it's the first time, uh, it was 06 or 07, here in Toronto I saw them. Nice. And then I went again, like, right after Chinese Democracy came out, like, in the beginning of 2010. Oh, that's pretty dope. Was, uh, then I went, was yeah. Bumblefoot in the, uh, was it Bumblefoot or Buckethead in the 06? No, it was Bumblefoot, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I saw him, what did I see him? Yeah, I saw him twice on, uh, Not in This Lifetime, because they did, uh, or like the baseball stadium here, Rogers Center. That was pretty know, freaking dude. cool. That and then they did like, dope. yeah, yeah. And then they did uh, just the two nights at the at the Air Air Canada Center, whatever the fuck they call it now. It's a different name. Uh, the two nights there, I was there for one of the nights, and it was just cool, man. To see him like no openers, just do it for like three, three and a half hours. Yeah, just kick ass. Yeah, I've noticed that Guns openers always have a hard time. Yeah, it's hard to open for a band like Guns, man. Especially nowadays. Man, well let's uh, let's see. Uh, I think we got a. I think we'll have a decent chemistry, man. Uh, oh yeah, I'm liking this right now. Yeah. I mean, I thought we would chat for about thirty minutes. I didn't think I'd have to start three separate recordings. Yeah, well, it's already been over 40 minutes now. Nice. We're a three-man band! Hey, everybody. Third Man Dan here, and I just want to congratulate Chris and Dustin on one year of the Guns and Radio podcast. You guys are doing an amazing job. And without further ado, here is the number eight moment of Guns and Radio's first year. Like I've, been, slash ads. Those are expensive. I've been scarred with the riot. I was at the uh, 2002 show in Philly. I was hype as shit to go see them. And I had the same love I have now as I did then. And everyone made fun of me. And it was December December 6, 2002, I believe. I had the tickets. Yeah. I went. He didn't show up. A riot happened. My, I think my sister saw me on the news. She like told my dad she saw me on the news coming out of the stadium. And I was like, this is like the worst thing ever. Like, I had that scar. I had that, like, burned in my brain until, like, four years later when I saw them. Did they not show? Was there all their, was all their shit still there? Um, I think with the Philly show, it was infamous. So I don't know how much you guys know about that one. But the opening act was CKY and Mixmaster Mike, the DJ. Uh, it was the old 2 tour, yeah. Yeah. So Mixmaster Mike kept playing. He just kept DJing. He kept like, kept playing with his you know records, and I'm, everyone's like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" This set's going on for like an hour now, and everyone's just like, "What? Get off stage! What are you doing?" So the guy kept trying to kill time because Axel wasn't there. Nobody knows the truth. People say he was uh, in L.A. watching a Lakers game. People say he was in the air. People say he was like, I don't even know. Honestly, he could be in outer space when that was happening. <laughs> but people like they announced like an hour or an hour and a half or two hours after they were supposed to go on the intercom was like guns and roses are not going to be going on and people just started throwing things i saw a chair on fire they like oh, they, i remember hearing this they because i i worked at the stadium at that time too so i knew some of like the managers and security people they actually put a lot of the 
women security, like women employees and women security guards, like away, like in a room because they were afraid that like drunk guys would like try to like attack them. Oh my god! Yeah, it was crazy. And everybody made fun of me because everyone's like, "We told you it wasn't going to show up," and I'm just like, "I was like a." I forgot how old it was. I think I was like 17. I'm like, shut up, guys. Leave me alone. <laughs> hey, GNR fans. It's Chris L. of the Pot of Thunder podcast. Pot of Thunder! Here to introduce number seven on the list of the best moments from year one of the Guns and Radio podcast. This clip features me, coincidentally, so enjoy it. And continue to support this excellent show. Get in the ring, motherfucker! How the heck did you guys get Chris Jericho on your podcast? Because a big wrestling fan, I'm like, that dude's like constantly busy. I'm like, how the heck did you guys get him on multiple episodes on your podcast? I'd love to know. Well, the funny thing is that um, you know Nick and Andy are legit wrestling fans. I am wasn't never uh really too big into pro wrestling so uh, you know he i knew of who he was but um you know it wasn't super on my radar so to speak so um what uh what happened was he uh he he started his podcast talk is jericho right around the same time we started ours mm. And he, uh, his tagline for it was uh, his secondary name for his podcast. He called it the Pot of Thunder. Mm-hmm. And Andy brought that up on an episode, and I started talking shit about Jericho stealing our <laughs> name. And uh, saying things like, if I ever encountered him, I would you know, smash his face into a turnbuckle smash a chair over his back you know all this stupid bullshit that uh you know never thinking that uh any of it would you know get back to him or or whatever but um so in doing that um you know some of our listeners started tagging him on twitter saying you know stop stealing pot of thunder's name this and that and then one day on Twitter, uh, get the alert that I have a uh, direct message, and it's from Jericho, and he's asking me, um, "Are you guys near Indianapolis?" Because you know we say on the show that we're based in Northwest Indiana, Hammond, Munster, to be specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I see this DM, and I'm like. I think this guy is trying to track us down so he can kill me for all the uh, crap I've been saying about him, you know? And so I, and you know, I, I run the Twitter account. So, um, you know, I got wind of this stuff first, you know, Andy's like the huge wrestling fan. So, um, I eventually, you know, got him involved, but, when this first happened, I just responded to him and said, no, we're actually closer to Chicago. (laughs) And he replies back. He's like, well, the, uh, uh, Monday night raw is coming through there uh, pretty soon. Do you guys want tickets to the show and meet up after the show? 
And I'm like, uh, oh, Lord. still thinking he's trying to lure <laughs> me into uh, some sort of situation where he's going to just kill me for all the <laughs> nonsense I've been talking about him. Um, but, um, you know, one thing led to another, and it was he, he left us tickets to Will Call, and we went to see a Monday Night Raw show and met up with him after the show right there in the arena like after it started to empty out he came out from backstage we hung out with him for a bit and from then we've all been like texting buddies and whenever he's in town either with wrestling or with Fozzie we try to arrange it so we can meet up to do a show and and that's the story that's pretty awesome man that is freaking awesome holy shit so that's uh, proof that uh, you can talk shit about somebody and get positive results from it. So um, <laughs> taking That's the one. high road isn't always the way to go, I guess I would say. Yeah. Life lesson, kids. Remember that. Hey, guys. Hey, Vince. Hey, this is you bunch of assholes. I see you guys keep doing this podcast. You know, you never want to include me. And you know what? That's fine. I understand it. But as far as I'm concerned, the best goddamn thing that ever happened to this shitty-ass show was the day that I came on and made you guys a star! Really? Uh, cause I think I remember it other ways. You're still kind of a fucking asshole, Vince. Hey, you're a fucking asshole, Caputo! Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something right now. Don't you call me a fucking asshole, okay? Because I'll whoop your ass, okay? I am a strong... This is all muscle, okay? This is just all this is, right here. Look at it, look at it. You see that? I'm gonna whip my shirt off like Hulk Hogan. Look at that body. Look at those 12 inch pythons, baby. Right here, Vincent Mania running wild. You wanna start a Guns and Fucking Roses podcast? Man, fuck Guns and Roses. Motley Crue is the greatest band in the world. Whatever you think, Vince, but hey, since you're here, actually, ironically, you actually did make the our top 10. So I'll let you introduce the uh, number six moment number when you made your six. debut. Yeah. Number fucking six? Six? Yeah. Halfway yeah. down the goddamn list? Not even number one? Oh, there's, you know there's been a lot better, unfortunately, Vince. So. Oh, well, fuck you too, man. You know what? Introduce your own goddamn list. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Ladies and gentlemen, Motley Crue lead singer Vince Neil for you. He's a real fucking prick. Yeah, if you're a Motley crew fan and you're getting mad about us talking about vince neal i never want to see a fucking fat axle meme out of your ass ever again bro uh, you know if you're a molly crew fan fucking own up to the fact that vince neal's a fat mofo yeah. you can't help but love him though sorry just the add-on for any fucking molly crew fans hey at least my band doesn't all have fucking hep c and probably been some <laughs> sex they have fucking every std on the planet including well, let's be real <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, the worst slash probably got was okay. Crap. Okay, so you, that was in his hair. Oh, did you hear about uh, Motley Crue's uh, tour getting postponed this week? Yeah, I think it was bound to happen, but like they literally waited until the last fucking minute. Yeah, actually, on the phone now we have Vince Neil from Motley Crue. Caputo, why don't you ask him about that and see what he says? Oh, uh, oh, Vince Neil, uh, uh, how are you, sir? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck's going on? Uh, I just wanted to get some questions about your uh, the postponement of the uh, big uh, summer stadium tour. 
Yeah, and also uh, maybe for you to get in better shape, Mr. Neil. You know, would you like to? Well, according to some of your recent uh, videos on Cameo, you seem to probably still look out of shape and also hey, intoxicated as fuck. Hey, hey, you shut the fuck up! This is muscle. This is all muscle. Y'all bitches. This ain't nothing. I'm a demon. This ain't nothing but cold steel and chest appeal right here, baby. This all this is right here. So you're this saying you're not you're not fat. You're just big boned. Fat. It's muscle. You're just big boned. Yeah, fuck you guys. I'm hanging out. See you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> What a fucking just, asshole. I can't believe you just nail, man. Yeah, I, fuck, who cares? I let you do the interview, and you go and do this, man. I'm really disappointed in you. Listen, it's not my problem. He's a fucking dickhead. <laughs> What's up, my fellow gunners? This is Jeff Noon from GNR Central. Just wanted to wish Chris and Dustin a happy one year on the mic over there at GNR Radio. It's been fun being on twice, and I uh, look forward to a couple more years and runs in the future. Crack a beer, you've earned it. Coming in at number five. Wow, fucking number five. You guys put me right in the fucking middle. Anyways, number five, the top ten GNR radio moments in the last year is, and it better not fucking be me, assholes. I've got another question. I'm noticing Axel's wearing skin-tight leather pants in this. Signature move of the 80s. I've never worn any myself, but... uh <laughs> Never mind. I'm not gonna finish that thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead, man. Fuck it. <laughs> okay, so you know how it's always hot in LA, right? Yeah, like it's always like kind of a summery temperature. Hmm. I can be walking around outside in in fall temperatures where it's like seventy degrees. Maybe uh, yeah. between maybe sixty, sixty five, and then you know, mm. like if you if you if you walk around, like you go to a festival, you wear shorts, you don't wear jeans, because what happens if you wear jeans to a festival? You're getting chafed as fuck, right? Oh, absolutely. Now jeans don't have a lot of airflow in them, but they've got to have more than those leather fucking spandex skin tight goddamn pants. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> So, all I can think about right now when I see, because Axel runs and does, like, he puts a lot of energy out in one of his songs or in the performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, doing any live performance, I think. All I can think the 90s, about though. is Swamp Ass from Hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> swamp Ass and fucking Major Dick Sweat. Oh, buh. That's why, you, that's why you have people to clean out to clean your laundry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's why. You know what? This is the first one, so I think maybe he learned a lesson after this. Because I know after this, he was wearing those little bitty short shorts for so long. <laughs> maybe that's behind. Oh yeah, the you scene. wouldn't come out with any fucking pants. 
And yeah, he's wearing, like, bro, here's a, a bulletproof vest. <laughs> yeah, as a kilt. There's, like, a bulletproof vest and, like, boxer briefs. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, is this Guns N' Roses or, like, the Chippendales all-male review? We're just like, fucking, fuck clothes. <laughs> but see, dude, that's what we've done here. We've, we, we, we've come up with something here. We've... <laughs> <laughs> We've made an insight that nobody else has made yet. I think we may have discovered something here. I think we may have figured out why Axel went through the shorty short killed stage. Okay, so we're up to number four. And before we play this next clip, uh, I do want to say, you know, we were getting some of our friends here and past guests and stuff to come on and introduce these clips and stuff. And uh, for number four, I wanted to get our friend Dwayne on the phone. I mean, for those of you that have listened to the Rick Dunsford podcast, you have heard the stories about Dwayne, and uh, he's a really funny guy. And I think probably I felt it was best not to just have Dwayne introduce one of these, but since all of the stories that we tell about Dwayne on Rick's show is about us how we prank Dwayne and prank him all the time. And how and he's how the most he's gullible really... motherfucker ever. <laughs> <laughs> he's easy to get on the phone. I'll say that. He is easy to get on the phone. But uh, we've got a prank call, a brand new, for the first time in 11 years, I prank called Dwayne. <laughs> and I did it to get him to introduce this next segment, but without his knowledge. So he doesn't know that he's introducing something on here he thinks he's doing a radio interview or something else and i will say this in advance i know i've called Dwayne homophobic in the past and and i really don't think that's a fair way of calling uh, i really don't think that's a fair thing to say i think probably he's less less, less that Dwayne is homophobic and more that he's really scared of other people thinking he's gay because he's from the south and uh you'll see what i mean in this clip right here. <laughs> Roll it. Hello? Oh, uh, hey, is this Dwayne? Yeah, who is it? Hey, uh, Dwayne, my name is Jack Burgess. I'm from KPRD in uh, Los Angeles. The reason I was calling you is because uh, we got your information from Rick, and he said that you would be willing to uh, participate in a radio thing that we're doing about the history of music in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, well, first off, thank you for uh, doing this for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, what we want to do is we're counting down right now part of the weekend. It's an all-weekend event, and we're counting down the top ten greatest moments in music history. The 20 greatest moments, you said? No, it's the year 2020. You're saying it's the number three. We're having you introduce the number three. three. Yeah, it's and but say your name. Say this is Dwayne from D&D Booking, and it's time for the number three moment of 2020. Yeah, this is Dwayne from D&D Booking. This is top 20, and this is the number three greatest moment in 2020. Awesome. Great job, man. Thank you. Hey, do you have time to stick around for a quick interview? We're actually about to go. Uh, we're actually about to come back from commercial. All right. Uh, give me just a second here. Let's see. Oh, they're counting us down now. Is that okay? Can we interview you just maybe three minutes tops? Okay. All right. Here we go. We're coming. Five, four. Welcome back to KPRD Radio, Los Angeles' hottest gay pride radio station. It's raining. Man. And folks, we got a very special guest with us today. 
please welcome all the way from Tupelo, Mississippi, from D&D Booking, promoter Dwayne. So tell us, Dwayne, it must be hard being a homosexual promoter Whoa. of music in Tupelo, Mississippi. Can you tell us about when was the time that you first came out of the closet? What are you talking about? Well, how long have you known that you were a homosexual? I'm not homosexual. Strictly pussy, man. What? What? Oh, no. Oh, that's no good, son. Oh, man. Uh, oh, oh God, we're getting calls. Our light board's lighting up. Are you a homophobic bigot? No, uh-uh, not at all. I love gay people. Then why would you pretend to be gay just to get on a gay pride radio station? No, you didn't say nothing about it. Rick told me the other night that they wanted to interview me because he told me that I used to do shows. Yeah, I did shows. That's been 2011. We're, well, 2011 is part of the history of music. Well, yeah, what's that have to do with gay, gayness? <laughs> Well, it's it's music. There's yeah, a lot of gay yeah, people. But what does it have to do with being gay? <laughs> Hang on one second. We're gonna work this out. We'll figure this out, folks. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be we'll be right back right after this. <laughs> all right, we're off the why air. Listen, Dwayne. Called about this shit. I mean, why don't Rich pulling pranks on me or something? I'm just gonna level with you here, man. Uh, people think you are pretending to be gay just to get on our radio station, and callers are blowing up our phones right now, furious about it. Holy shit. That is crazy. Did the people really call up there, Matt? Yeah, they were blowing up the switchboard. I couldn't take any of the calls because everybody was using four-letter words, and we can't say that on the radio. Dude, how many people listen to this radio station? Uh, in Los Angeles, somewhere between 11 and 12 million. You're fucking it's, Holy it, fuck. Are you serious, dude? On a Saturday afternoon, you this is... Pr- You're on the evening drive. <laughs> it's four... Damn, man. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, my God, dude. This is fucking crazy. I, I thought the evening news was at five. We're in a different time zone. Oh, shit, man. Hang on a second. I got an idea. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back on the air, and we're going to say that you were just kidding about all that, that you really are gay, and then maybe that'll make everybody uh, not be so mad at you then, if they think that you know you really are gay and you were just nervous about uh, being on the radio. Why can't we just tell them I'm cool with gay people? I got a few gay friends. Oh, it doesn't work like that around here. <laughs> that makes no sense. We're going to go back on the air. We're going to say that you were just kidding and that you really are gay, and that uh, you were just playing, and you were just kidding that about all of that. Okay, here we go. Rick. In three, two, one. No. Welcome back to KPRD, Los Angeles' finest gay pride radio station. We're back here with Dwayne from D&D Bucket in Tupelo, Mississippi. And Dwayne's got something he wants to say, folks. Go ahead, tell him, Dwayne. Am I live on the radio? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh... Dwayne was just kidding. He he was kidding about not being gay, folks. So don't bombard him and everything. I wasn't kidding. I wasn't kidding. I'm not gay. I promise. I have nothing against gay people. I like gay people. People. I've had a lot of friends in the past that were gay. But me, no. Listen, I don't know why Dwayne is being like this when we go on air, when we're off air and we're talking in private. He told us all he was gay and that he wanted to come up and 
tell everybody the the 12 million listeners for K Pride Radio. He and so we gave him another chance to make this right by all of you guys. No, I didn't. And unfortunately, it seems like uh listen, we don't want you guys to harass Dwayne, okay? Do not do not call him at 662 662- Oh my God, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Dude, you fucked me, really. You fucked me. If there's a million people who listen to that radio station, really? Don't come to his house, even though he lives at 17. Oh my fucking God. But anyway, I'm Jack Burgess for KPRD Radio, and it's time for the number four greatest moment of 2020. Episode is of course four slash twenty, which is code for I don't need to say what it's code for because we're all adults here. Marijuana, yeah, but April, I've I mean. only had I'm not an avid person partaker in that uh, marijuana those numbers, but I've only had one occurrence, and it sticks with me because it's hilarious and only makes me look bad. So one time I live in I live in South Philly, and a friend I know lived in Lake Tahoe, and he sent over brownies that were of course uh, laced with Ooh. a certain marijuana. Thing. I've never done anything. I had two days off from work the next days. I lived with a bunch of friends. We were just like, you know what? If there's any time to do it, I have two days off. If I'm, you know, if anything happens, I can just sleep all day. So I don't know anything about it. This was maybe like five years ago. I want to be honest, five or six years ago. I eat like a good quarter of a brownie. You probably shouldn't have done that. Takes a little while. Takes a little while. And I'm like, okay, like I don't feel anything. And then all of a sudden I started noticing my friends laughing at me. And I think it was probably because they were getting into it too. But I started feeling weird because I started getting paranoid because I felt like I had to poop. <laughs> and I thought they were laughing because I was like, they knew that. So I was just sitting there all paranoid and I thought I was pooping myself. Holy shit. And I actually thought I was legitimately pooping myself. And so what I did was I got up really slowly, went to the steps, but went up my steps backwards because I was afraid that I pooped myself. And there was just poop all over my pants for some reason. I obviously don't know how this works, so it's the first time I'm experiencing it. So I walk backwards up the steps, go in the bathroom, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, my brain is going on fire. I'm like, I'm about to drop my pants, and there's going to be shit everywhere. I drop my pants. I was like, there's nothing. I'm like, okay, there's probably shit in my boxers. I'm scared. I I don't even want to look. I drop my boxers. There's no shit. And I just sit on the toilet for, like, I think I pass on the toilet for the rest of the night. I think somebody came in and wound up getting me. But I was so sure that it was like all down my leg. And everyone, and I told people this story and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, Marijuana. I don't know. I never want to do this ever again. <laughs> the story is more nasty than embarrassing. But <laughs> over time, I'm just like, I don't care to tell it because it's the one story I have. So I'm just going to cherish it. <laughs> it's, disgu- it's fucking disgusting. Like, I'll just say that right now. Hey, this is Rick Dasford. And this is the number three. Greatest moment of season one of Guns and Radio's podcast. For those guys, for a lot with a lot of fans, even Buckethead, with a lot of guys, there was no winning in that scenario. Yeah, but I feel like Buckethead was probably like the best person to replace Lash because he was just fucking insane. Yeah, and he was completely different too. Oh um, yeah, just hearing the stories of the the demo- Chinese democracy recording sessions oh is fucking god. something else. Oh my god. <laughs> First off, I would have... I don't care how good your guitarin is. (laughs) 
I would never put up with some of the shit that they put up with. Do you think Axel's bad? He didn't build a fucking chicken coop in the in the goddamn studio with dog shit in it. Axel's oh yeah, and then sit around watching hardcore porn in it. Oh my god! In between sets, that is the most fucked up shit. That's almost the, the that's the second most fucking weirdest rock and roll story I've scenario I've ever heard. The first one is Gigi Allen throwing his shit at people. <laughs> like, that is worse. But then it's actually yeah. I mean, because that because the reason that's worse is because that gives people like you and me the opportunity to get swept up into this bullshit too. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if we're just you know walking through a club, you know, like, oh hey, look, there's Gigi Allen. He's going to be playing there. Now oh, this might be pretty. Let's go. I like punk rock. Gigi Allen. We'll go check that out. All right, this might be fun. And then all of a sudden, whoa, what the fuck? We're getting we're getting shit hurled at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's another like buckethead story from the recording sessions. There was like it was like a few days like after nine eleven happened, and they're showing like uh, sort of like like the aftermath whatever. And then there was apparently a KFC that got like attacked somewhere. Like I don't know if it was in the states or like overseas. They're showing something about a KFC getting attacked on the news, and Buckethead's like, "Fuck this! I'm out of here. I'm joining the army." And nothing got recorded that day. <laughs> don't attack the man's fucking chickens. <laughs> God. I don't think I've heard that one yet, actually. <laughs> yeah, there was in, like some article. I think they're interviewing like Zutat when he was like on the project. Man, could you imagine these guys? They've worked with all these great bands over the years. Normally, when somebody gets to work with them, they're grateful that they're getting to work with these guys. Oh yeah, totally. Now you've got Buckethead coming in. <laughs> Refuse, like I understand refusing to work after nine eleven, taking a little bit of a break, you know, getting yeah. your head back together, you know, yeah. getting calmed up because that was a hard day for everybody. I know I'm a little yeah. older than you. No, I was still around when that happened. So <laughs> I was around. Yeah, I was there. I was a youngin, but I was there. I still remember. Um, I was old enough to. I, w- I was in high school, right? So I get yeah. it, you know, I get, you know, everybody's nervous, everybody's shook up. It shook up everybody. Absolutely. And then, you know, you might have to calm down, but then that, think about that, that isn't what does it. <laughs> the tower, thousands of people, thousands of people dying. No, no, but then a KFC gets blown up or something. We're going to war. <laughs> and I'm joining the army. <laughs> Motherfucker, I love this KFC. What can I say? I don't think the <laughs> army would have put up with a chicken coop full of dog shit. <laughs> yeah, the and they got so pissed. The best was he got pissed. They took it out because it stuck up the whole fucking building. <laughs> I like that smell. You're fucked. Fucking <laughs> stupid. Hey, it's Brando from Appetite for Distortion here, wishing a happy. One year anniversary to the Guns and Radio podcast. Mazel Tov, Chris and Dustin. You've talked about Guns N' Roses for an entire year. You're not bored yet. <laughs> Here is the number two moment of Guns N' Radio's first year. 
So it's basically like G- members, like any anyone who's ever been in GNR, and that's probably at least like a good twenty people, <laughs> uh, whoever as who would be like their pro wrestler counterpart, like in terms of like not not as looks, but also like personality wise and such as well. Like who would they be like like the equivalent to in like pro wrestling? Uh, for my actual one, I was a little torn because I, I was kind of like in between like. I thought Savage because like they both have like these like unique voices and they're both always fucking paranoid about something. Um, shit going on there, brother. Uh, yeah, like, like these it. like larger than life characters in a way. Or he could also be like a Hulk Hogan. And then again, that goes along with you know Chris <laughs> Pimmon being the Jimmy Hart and the uh, Dizzy Reed being <laughs> Bruce Mancake. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 2010 Axel is Hulk Hogan. But like the great value, like. George Walmart brand clothing line. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Ashba. <laughs> <laughs> then again, who the Ashba be? Shit. I couldn't think of nobody for DJ. I tried. I've got it. I wrote down DJ Ashba, then I scribbled it out. That's good one. Yeah. Let's I think one, about actually. it. How oh, yeah. you got? I'm thinking since I don't know. I'm just putting like I'm just doing a connection here. DJ Ashba kind of looks like. A knockoff Chris Angel. Ah. And there was a knock, knockoff magic wrestler called, was it Fantasio, I think? Fantasio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's mean. It's funny. <laughs> It's funny, but it's mean. But funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. That was a fun bit. Yeah, that was... <laughs> boy matt manzella here dropping in to wish my friends at the guns and radio podcast a happy one year anniversary congrats chris and dustin and without further ado here's the number one moment of guns and radio's first year we decided we were going to do a, a, a music video watch along now sometimes on this show we do a bit uh there's two separate bits there's the epic music video watch along and the shitty music video watch along yeah. caputo where would you place this one that we're about to watch um, for me, I'd place in somewhere in the middle, but a lot of other people would say it's <laughs> controversial at best. And I mean, it's only apropos because like today, since we're, <laughs> we're recording this, the hashtag glory holes was trending in Canada. <laughs> you want to know why the government here, I they believe released some shit about having sex in a pandemic. What? This is the B actually the government of british columbia not like canadian but in bc so it says steps to protect yourself during sex the best part is they're they're saying oh before and after sex wash your body with soap and water (laughs) wash your sex twice obviously if you don't you're a fucking sadistic person no fucking shit yeah they're saying wear a a face covering or a mask heavy breathing (laughs) can cause droplets to come out (laughs) 
at my age, I can barely breathe during sex as it is. What the? Yeah. Choose sexual positions that limit face-to-face contact. So basically doggy style for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, the best is, though, why this is trending. It says use barriers like walls and brackets. Example, <laughs> glory holes that allow for sexual contact but prevent close face-to-face contact. Wait, the government in Canada is recommending it's going to the glory Columbia. This is like all the way on the fucking uh, west coast there. I didn't know any of this before we started recording. Because of that. And Thor's like, wow, what the fuck? The government wants you to put put your dick through a wall. And you don't know what's on the other side. So, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, you think it's preventing COVID? You're, oh, it's going to be even worse. <laughs> or, if anything, just get, like, a, a paper bag, put a cutout. And if you're doing it, you're sniffing another. Just, put, like, after, you know, give you a nice budget, whatever, through with the bag covering. I wish I'd known this before we started recording, man. We could have made a whole bit of sex, Canadian sex tips. <laughs> sex tips, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, man, well, I composed myself. And now it's time for Canadian sex tips with Chris Caputo. <laughs> <laughs> sex tip number one, do not bring maple syrup into the bedroom. It could get sticky. Yeah, man, that's a whole different animal there in Canada. <laughs> Dude, you have killed me. Like, I was building <laughs> up, like, you put the brakes on me, just so you know. Like, I'm fucking crying. My, my fucking ribs and lungs hurt. <laughs> my God, I think I had an aneurysm, because now I'm yeah. sweating. <laughs> so, in honor of glory holes... <laughs> I forget how I actually knew this is. Really? Yeah. This is around about the time I met Izzy. Oh, 2012, yeah. I think he was wearing that. Probably. All right, let's take a look at the lyrics. <clears throat> I'm gonna make a quick pause. My baby ran and made it. My baby ran away to Vietnam, and my dog just salivates. She told me later, "Yeah, I'm surely mad. No need to turn back." You know, I was at, I was in Nam once. What? Hey, you didn't know about that? When I served no, in Vietnam. Unless you're like lying to me about your age and you're like a war veteran or something. I don't know. Hey, you didn't know your old boy Dustin Bones was a war veteran? What? No, I've got a patch. Is... I've this got the new... I was in Vietnam patch. You don't just get those. You can't <laughs> buy those at Walmart. Are you fucking with me? All right, so let me tell you what happened, man. So there I was. All right, we were raiding a school one day. It was a school for the blind. Okay. And uh, we were uh, going through, and, you know, it should have been an easy mission. Because, you know, mm-hmm. kids, they're blind. They're running around, running into walls and all this other shit. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I'm going through, and I just thought I'd make quick of it because, you know... I wanted to make it a quick day because the the the, the mm-hmm. captain said that if we made it a quick day and we got this school good and bombed, then uh, we could take the rest of the day off. So I was like, sweet, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm going through and I'm just going through each classroom, just throwing in a grenade, you know, like sweeping, you know, just trying to get it done, you know. Yeah. And then I saw a Coke machine, and I was getting really thirsty because man, blowing shit up um, can really uh really get you parched. So I saw a Coke mm-hmm. machine and I wanted a Coke. So I go over to the Coke machine 
and I put a dollar in the machine mm-hmm. and it, and it sucks it in and then it spits it back out. <clears throat> and so I'm like, what the fuck? So, you know, I take it, you know, I rub it on the side of the machine. Now keep in mind all around me, shit's blowing up. There's children screaming. There's all this, you know, like it wasn't numb and uh machine guns going off all around me. And I'm, I'm rubbing the dollar on the side of the machine, trying to flatten it out to get it to go in and it just keeps spitting it out. And so I, I see a kid, um, I see a kid get shot right in front of me. And then I notice, you know, he's got, and then I see his lunch money fall out of his pocket. And I realize I'm using an America dollar. This takes a Vietnam dollar. Uh, stupid me. So I bend down and I take the Vietnam dollar from the little kid that just got blue. Cause let's be honest, he doesn't need it anymore. And I put it in, <laughs> and then I put it in the machine and uh, my Coke comes out. And then as soon as I got my Coke out, one of my buddies, I got hit with some friendly fire and it just missed me, but it hit the side of the can and it blew up the side of the can. And I never did get to drink my Vietnam Coke. It was a sad day. It was a nah. So I was thirsty. So yeah, we, uh, we finished with the school and then, you know, it turns out the captain lied to us because we thought we were just bombing this school that day. Turns out we had to do two churches too. Can you believe that? What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, those women and children didn't kill themselves. I mean, we were pretty busy in Vietnam. I mean, I hope they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's one of my war stories. Jesus fucking. <laughs> I don't even know when that was. <laughs> okay. Uh... I wouldn't drive to LAX. I wouldn't drive to fucking LAX either, and I'm going to tell you guys. That place fucking sucks. They made me sleep on the ground. On the goddamn ground. Don't worry. I was going to say, I slept probably in a worse airport on the ground. And it was in fucking Lansing, Michigan. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me when he says, uh, my baby ran away to Vietnam. The dog just slipped his, licked his plate. One time <clears throat> when, uh, when we were on one of our Vietnam missions, uh, we were getting ready to bomb an Applebee's cause we were, we were thinking that, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we could get some free food here. So, uh, I was there and then, you know, we, we knocked out the, the Applebee's and, you know, we ran all the people off and, uh, uh, luckily some of them had gotten their food. And it was still hot. Like they just came out when we come storming in. And so, uh, we sit down at the table and we go to eat. And then I swear to God, a pack of wild dogs ran into the Applebee's and took my steak right off my plate. I didn't even get to eat. And then the general said that if I was a real man, I would have like killed that dog and ate that instead. And like, so I didn't even get like, I didn't even get to eat that day. Decorated war. I did get a medal for that one. Because uh, I blew up their ice cream machine. And it turns out there's a medal for that. So, huh. Go figure. President Reagan? No. 
President what, Republican, probably. Whatever, whatever president was the president when we was. It's been a long time ago. I think this rocks. This is a cool little like uh, section here. any of those guys but one <laughs> and that's unfortunate because they're great musicians oh yeah i mean this is actually not a bad song no no i mean of the izzy songs we've reviewed i would say it's up there for me yeah for sure for sure i mean like in like it's always like instrumentally wise like it's always good but like i don't know to me these lyrics sound like He's about to tell a story about someone running away from Vietnam, and then like, he is like Alzheimer's kicks in, and he talks, <laughs> starts talking about his dog or something. It's like I don't <laughs> know never, what's fucking going on here, man. He never gets around to it. Yeah, it's like you're trying to get to like start a story, and then like his dog won't shut the fuck up, and it's like <laughs> and my dog's over there fucking licking himself like a like a slut. <laughs> Stop licking yourself, God damn it! God damn it! Stop licking your balls. We just got you fucking. Vince McMahon. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that gonna be our official Izzy impression now? Vince McMahon. No, I was trying to go for more like an old man like yelling at old man yells at like fucking Abe Simpson over there. Quit that shit. We're licking your balls. Like Clint Eastwood comes out with his fucking shotgun. It's like your kids get the fuck off my lawn. I'll blow your fucking cocks off. Don't touch my fucking Grand Torino. Chocolate titties. <laughs> I want to say before we go, I don't mean any disrespect to real Vietnam veterans or anything like that. I'm just having fun. It was just a joke. <laughs> All those stories are true, though. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ratings. 
the ratings. final ratings of season one. I know, right? Yeah. I'll let you, you go do? first. On this Me? One. Okay. Yes. Uh, I like this song. Uh, I listened to it, I admit. I listened to it before uh, before the show. And uh, not like before we taped, but I've heard this song before a couple of times. And I enjoyed it. I enjoy it. Um, As far as a song goes, uh, will it go into my playlist? I, I don't know if I'd manually put it there, but if it comes up on my shuffle. Um, I definitely won't be changing the channel. Um, the solo is really good. Mm-hmm. Give it that. And it does rock. And it is something I can sing along with. So, four out of five. Oh, wow. Okay. Feeling generous here. Um, yeah. Yeah. To me, like, now that I'm thinking of it, like, I just listen to this now, it kind of sounds like um, that Slash song with Lemmy kind of sounds a bit like dr alibi to me i don't know maybe <sighs> it is in that same kind of vein yeah very like fast paced like the the riffs kind of sound like a like a tad similar hmm. it's true so that's why like i kind of like like it instrumentally wise but like if it had better lyrics i would probably give it more of a four maybe four and a half territory but to be honest i'm gonna have to give it a two and a half okay five yeah I see what you mean, though. Like, but I mean, you got to give it credit. I mean, it, it's easy, so it could have easily just been baby ram, baby ram, baby ram, baby ram. That's true, but I know Izzy can do like so much better. Like, there's a few other songs, like um, like we reviewed Old Tune. That was a really good song. I like that yeah. one. There was fuck that acoustic one we covered. I don't remember the name of it. I it was don't, off, don't. Yeah, that was off his acoustic <laughs> album. That was a really good one. Oh, don't I think... give me the line. Oh, hang on. We're going to find this right now. We literally, <laughs> literally, we're forgetting everything, even though we've done almost 60 episodes, you know? Yeah. Like, a song I love how even a GNR song will come up, and then I'll have to go off air and be like, Caputo, have we reviewed that yet? Yeah. Oh, that's what it seems to me. That was a good one. I like. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. And I admit, though, uh, Here Comes the Rain has really grown on me over the... A little bit. A little bit here on my end. In due time, it does. Because now that's all I think about when I hear it rain. I all I hear like in my head, it's like, you know, like flashbacks goes, here comes the rain. And then here it comes. <laughs> so that's why I feel like I'm like storm from the X-Men. I'm just predicting fucking weather here. With Izzy Stradlin. Controlling the clouds and just like throwing lightning upon all my enemies. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, you're ready to spin the wheel and see what's going to be the first song of season two, which is coming next week. We're not taking a break, folks. Yeah, fuck breaks. We're like wrestling, except we are not independent contractors, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll still be on all our third party uh, outfits there. <laughs> be sure to go over to GN Extra, by the way, where we're going to tell a story about WWE's Tom Phillips, who was scheduled to appear in this episode but didn't get to make it. Plus, uh, we're also going to do the uh, what do we call it? Redemption songs. Oh, ratings redemption on Gen Extra. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's happening in just a few moments. Okay, now let's spin the wheel for real. All right. It's all right. Oh, all right. So this is like a cover they did, I believe. Yes, I think this is on Live Era. Yeah, this is that Black Sabbath cover they used to do during the Illusions Era. Yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week. We'll be reviewing that song on the season premiere 
of Guns and Radio. But first, before we go, there's two more surprises in store for you guys on this already stacked episode. Mm-hmm. Chris, I'm telling you about this. Elon Musk. I was actually in contact with him this week oh, while really? we were while we were uh, doing the show and everything. And uh, he has been good enough to let me borrow one of his one of his space rockets. Believe oh, it or wow. not, <clears throat> it's true. And so, um, what we're going to do is, I'm going to get in that rocket right now, and and we're going to take it to the moon, and we're going to put a guns and radio flag on the moon as a giant publicity stunt. Fuck yeah! And this is for. This is for real, folks. This is happening. So uh, hang on one second. Let me just go over here and just. Let me just... Okay, Chris, can you hear me? Yep. Can you, can you see me? Am I coming through? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got it. He's flying. Oh my god. Am I obviously not fake spaceship? <laughs> Everything's so beautiful from up here. I'm, I'm in orbit right now. What was the rocket supposed to shut? Okay, they weren't supposed to shut off yet. Oh, fuck. Hang on. It won't start. Uh-oh, something's wrong. Dustin, you still there? Oh, fuck, Chris. Oh, no, what'd you do now? Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, 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 I, I can still kind of hear you. Oh, what, what's going on? Oh, fuck, it's a Hello? I don't know what happened here. I think he's gone. Oh well, here's Paradise Kitty closing us out. Hopefully we'll see you all next week on Guns and Radio. Peace.